of Canada FM as we oh buy ourselves a little bit of time before <laughs> season two. I'll tell you, Blue Rodeo, that's a lot of listening. Brian, I'm actually on my third pass of outskirts right now. Still got past it. I keep getting interrupted. And I want to give it that solid front to finish listen. Yeah, I've done outskirts a few times and I'm on the, I'm on the yeah. second album. But I, again, I keep getting interrupted too. So I think tomorrow yeah. I think tomorrow I'm going to, like, because I'm an early riser, I might set like an hour or two aside. I'll literally just put the headphones on like we used to when we brought home a new CD and just plug yeah. into my plug into my Spotify and literally just sit. Maybe even have like a, no, a notepad well, out or something to make notes. My goal is to do an album a day so we can record at least part one next weekend. So if we do that, all right, we're in good shape. Are you are you on uh, early mornings again? Or are you? No. So you could potentially walk to work, listen to an album a day. My walk to work, I've tried that before, Brian. It's about 20 minutes. Really? Oh. Oh, it's about 10 minutes. It's about 10 minutes. For some reason, I thought so you lived further about away. 10 minutes. I live really close <laughs> to work. Really close. Never mind. Yeah. But I like, because of uh, Brent's pregnancy and everything like that, I like to have the car so I'm close by in case there's any emergencies or anything like that. I can get her, get going, that kind of thing. So just uh, playing it safe. Uh, but anyway, as we buy ourselves time, we figured ah, we could peel back the curtain a little bit into the lives of Teddy and Brian and uh, oh, their histories as working men, because <laughs> this off topic is going to be about jobs and the jobs that we have worked throughout our lives. Extremely hot jobs. Extremely hot garbage. <laughs> um, maybe a little, maybe it, a little can FM context for that joke. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So this is from back in college. <laughs> I can't believe we have to get into this. Uh, one of the projects we had to do for television broadcasting class was to do kind of like a live show. And for whatever reason, there was like two groups of people that did like I, we had to have an overarching theme. And each group had to produce uh, an episode of the show. And we called it ex- extremely hot jobs for whatever reason. So every group had to produce and he had a host yet i was the host for mine i interviewed a cop and we just talked about i don't know the, the seedy underworld of welland <laughs> um, and then uh what's it called the last episode though for extremely hot jobs so i think we we had a cop we had a crime scene investigator so they definitely doubled up on the police stuff they had um they had one more it must have been a firefighter so they really went for like first responders and then I think the third one, they were supposed to get this one uh, professor who worked at the school who was in a band. And they were going to get him to talk about his band. But he, like, double booked himself. And then this other kid in the class kept telling everyone he was going to get George Strombolopoulos 
that he was buddies with George Stromboulopoulos and Strombo was going to come oh in. Then this guy switched classes. <laughs> so he wasn't even in the group anymore. So they were shorthanded. So they had to get some guy from another group to host their show. They wound up getting some guy's cousin who worked as a waiter <laughs> at Ruby Tuesdays <laughs> on Clifton Hill and Niagara Falls. Uh, they do the interview, and God bless the the guy who did the interview. He was a great guy, and he just did the best he could with this this dead weight. Um, and at the end of it, they had all this extra time left, so the two of them sat there and sang "Ruby Tuesday" by the Rolling Stones. Here, here let's hear a little bit of that. Yeah, except they don't sound as good as Mick. So it's goodbye, <laughs> Ruby Tuesday. So our, these guys um, are not not the good vamp artists, are they? Yeah, no. And then the, the guy who was like the director, like the team leader, was this real arrogant douchebag who I really couldn't stand. Um, and and I, I, sometimes you take joy when people you don't like get their comeuppance. <laughs> so this this hothead who talked to talked his ass off about what a great job he was going to do and everything like that he, he really screwed the pooch. So uh, our teacher was this guy Tom Pagonis and he was a real hard hat uh, and it was like right at the end of his career too. Like I believe he had retired that uh, that season and he just looked at the class. He looked at him, the guy who I didn't like, and he goes, "It's extremely hot jobs, huh?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "I call it XHG." You know what that stands for? He goes, "What?" Extremely hot garbage. <laughs> I am inside. It's New Year's Eve going inside of me right at this moment. I am so happy this guy's getting his strip taken off of him in front of everybody. But uh, he had to magnetize the tapes right away. He said, you fail, no further discussion. And wow. that was it. He had to <laughs> magnetize the tapes. It was done. It was over with. He didn't want any more. I don't even think he let us go, like, leave class early. I think we just had to sit in the awkward silence of the whole thing. I think he <laughs> left early. I'm pretty sure he left early. But well, he left uh, in yeah, shame. the rest was just... No, no, Pagonis left early. The other guy oh. just... <laughs> I just didn't know what to do, so he just sat there. I love Pagonis. <laughs> So I, I call that's Pagonis, where the extremely hot garbage line comes from. I call Pagonis tough but fair. He would always, like, if he was going to bust your balls, he would give you a reason. He's, he's not like our ComTech teacher in uh, high school, Mr. Caminiti, who would bust my ass for very unprovoked reasons. Are you talking about Caminiti? Yeah. Oh, he used to love Caminiti when he'd pick on you. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I still uh, maintain he was a cokehead, but... I, you know, why, 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 why throw such slander out there? He had that huge red nose, and he had wild mood swings like a cokehead. You're, you're going to get on someone else's case about their wild mood swings and attribute <laughs> it to cocaine. When, for, to my knowledge, you've never done cocaine before, and you've had wild mood swings ever since I've known you. <laughs> That's that hot, I don't know where the hell I come from, temper. Hot English temper. Well, there you go. So don't go slandering our old uh, high school teachers for what they did in their spare time. Anyway, we're talking jobs here, Brian. And uh, more importantly enough, uh, just kind of funny stories. We're not going to bore our listeners to death by reciting our entire resume. 
But uh, we, we will try to find some funny stories here and then and make this as entertaining as possible. You know, we we wouldn't be doing them a, a very good service if we didn't do our best to make this entertaining as possible. I got That's a couple of good of chestnuts. A, point of a show. All right, well, let's start. What was your first paying job that wasn't like cutting grass or, you know, working for your dad's friend and that kind of stuff? Well, that's What's your easy. first my paid dad, job? My dad didn't have any friends that I could get a job with, so. <laughs> um, no, my uh, my first job was a dishwasher because there, there was only a handful of Greasy Spoon. Actually, I think I can think of three Greasy Spoon diners in, in our town. Uh, and I got a job at one of them called The Egg and I. And it was ran by this Greek fella named Terry who, you know how in kitchens where they have like the order up and they hit the bell? Yeah. Uh, whenever it was a rush, this guy would he he was very a uh, big micromanager. He'd always be like up people's asses, up the waitress, and like some of these people had been there for so long that they're like yeah they were teenagers, but they were been there for a number of years. So they this place ran itself. We didn't need this guy, and they had like a nice system. It was a little chaotic at times, but you got this guy fucking just wailing on the bell. <laughs> and we're like, they're like, we know. We're not going to, like, the chicken's not going to cook any faster with you wailing on the bell. Um, uh, but, you ever hear the expression, too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was one time he was fair. It was a New Year's Day rush, and, like, the dish, I was a dishwasher, so the dishwashing staff didn't miss a beat. We were all, with Johnny on the spot with the plates. We were busting our ass from, like, 6 a.m. to, like, 3 when the rush died down. And they needed more potatoes. So there's a spot where people, like, chefs would go back and cut potatoes or just take a five-minute, like, load off. So I literally just sat down for two seconds just to get off my feet. And he came storming into the kitchen or into the dish pit. And I stood back up. He's like, no, no, you sit. You guys worked hard. I was like, holy shit. Never thought I'd see that day. <laughs> but Wow. Uh, all right. So like stuff like that, he was fair. But uh, this one particular time, it was a Saturday morning. And that was always one of the places to be. So it was line up out the door every Saturday morning, winter, fall, spring, summer. And the place was always loud, just clanking dishes, people talking. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this one time, I'm carrying a bin of dishes out to out of the dish pit somewhere. I'm putting it something somewhere. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, you know, I'm sure we've mentioned that I'm six foot nine and I got terrible knees. And so I literally slipped on a puddle of water about six inches by six inches maybe like i've yeah. slipped i've i've slipped and slid on bigger ice patches and had no problems this one i go whoosh, and the bin of dishes like i pop my knee out the bin of dishes goes sky <laughs> high out. yeah <laughs> so i'm like the, the bin of dishes goes whoosh, this place goes dead silent i'm just laying there and uh I, I'm normally I've been accustomed to getting up rather quickly. I don't just sit there rolling around like an idiot on the floor. Yeah. I'll basically like pop, pop myself up somehow, even though I can't really put much pressure on my knee. Because usually what happens is it pops out, pops back in, and it just gets super swollen. So I can still walk on it. It just it hurts. Uh, so I kind of walk on it, sit down for a minute, and then uh, like people continue. They swept up the dishes, but. Uh, that was like the only time I got, I was able to go home early. And even then I think they were begrudgingly like letting me go home early. Oh, that's, that's work. You know what they say in radio? Remember the radio line is, uh, 
if Keep uh, your big stuff by the no, front. No, no, no. This is a different one. The Tom, another Tom Auto classic. It's uh, <laughs> if uh, if you're sick, bring a bucket. If you're dead, bring a note. Yeah, yeah. They do not want to send anybody home early under any circumstances unless they're really strapped for money. Then get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's so many times, like, one of my other jobs is working at a movie theater. There were so many times if they were in, like, a lull period in the year or if they were just trying to save hours or money, uh, if they were below their capacity, they literally look at the schedule. Like, do you want to get cut cut early? you want to get cut early? (laughs) So by the end, there'd be, like, two people working. Well, yeah, well, that's how it goes. And I love getting cut early. I, I, I sometimes people are like, "Don't you want the money?" And I'm like, "Be honest with you, I get something. That's enough." Yeah, in, you know what I mean. They gotta pay me something. Yeah, I can when, make it work. When we were in high school and college, I kind of wish I didn't have that mentality too, where I was like, "Yeah, yeah I want to get cut," because like, especially if we were going out after work or doing something, it's like, eh, "You guys will still be there later. I need this money." You know what I mean? Oh. But. There's, no, there's never liked so that. many there's so many things I would go back and tell like 16 to 19 year old Brian in terms of jobs but that's a that's for later in the show ah, 36 year old Teddy did all right I'm gonna uh, allow uh, younger Teddy to volunteer to go home first <laughs> you, you've earned it buddy uh, I want to get into your story there about your Pratt Falls uh, people <laughs> must remember here that Brian last is uh, the Pratt Fall King uh, perhaps unintentionally I'll give you my two favorite. Your uh, Pratt Falls view. Uh, the first I'm gonna go with. <laughs> what was it? Okay, I lost him. Here's the other one. We were playing baseball in this uh, recreational baseball league, and uh, it had just rained, and uh, there was this giant puddle just beyond first base. So Brian's playing first. I'm playing, and you had to play first because your shoddy knees wouldn't allow you to play the outfield <laughs> or anything like that. So Brian's playing first. I'm at catcher, and uh, someone hits a foul ball, kind of lands in the puddle, and it's not moving. And of course, it's just recreational college softball. No one's got backups. So uh, Brian goes to get it. And of course, the second he gets in the water, the knee goes out. Whoop! Big over-the-top pratfall. He lands in mud. Everyone is howling. It's hilarious. Uh, but except for the guy who was up to the plate. And I never caught this guy's name. He played for the opposing team. But we all just called him Troy Gloss. Because if you're a baseball fan, you remember Troy Gloss, who played for the Blue Jays um, and the Angels. He was this great big third baseman. Just kind of angry looking all the time. And he could hit home <laughs> runs. And this guy played third base. And he was big and hit a lot of home runs. And kind of looked like Troy Gloss. We just called him Troy Gloss. And... He goes up to me as you're on the ground, and I'm almost about to be on the ground, but that's from laughing, not from falling. Um, He turns to me and goes, look at him. Look at your friend. He's not getting up. This isn't funny anymore. Why does he sound like Wolverine? Look at him. Why does he sound like Wolverine? He was was intense, man. That's how he played the game. So I went, I think Brian's hurt everybody, and I ran over to you, and sure enough, you're like, (laughs) writhing in pain, quick to get up my foot. You were on the ground forever. (laughs) And then finally, I think you just went back and played first. Your back was covered in mud, but uh, 
Yeah, I couldn't move. Although it depends. Yeah. So, some situations I I would lay there. Other times, like uh, when I was playing hockey when I was 16, 17, somewhere in there, uh, this kid knocked me off balance. But I was on such a weird angle that like my body was pulling me one way. This kid hit me the other way, so my knee just kind of doubled over. Same thing, popped in and out. And yeah. I, I I was on the ice long enough for like thirty seconds that they blew the whistle, but then I literally just like got up and just kind of like one skated off the ice with like some assistance. But I got up under my own power. No one ever helped me up. But you, you missed one uh, one hole no, in that I got, story. I, I remembered. Oh, the story I just told. Yeah, because the the reason All right, why. What's that? It wasn't a foul ball. Olmst- Ryan Olmstead, a guy in my class, threw it over my head. And so the play was continuing. So I was hustling over to get the ball to try to c- throw it a second. That's why I slipped. There's oh, no, okay. It, just some random foul ball. I would have walked over there. I wouldn't have like ran over I there. I just thought you slipped and threw your knee out because that's what you always do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Actually, it's, well, been, other- it's, it's been a while since I have did it. Although I slipped on a nice <laughs> Knock patch. Knock on wood. Uh, in the winter time, I slipped on an ice patch. I think I mildly tweaked my knee, but uh, it wasn't as bad. I think I hurt my shoulder more than I hurt my knee because I was visiting someone I was seeing, and then so it was nine o'clock at night. I parked in my apartment lot, and I'm walking literally six feet from my door, and I slipped yeah. on this ice patch, and I, I crunched <laughs> my shoulder. That's actually what hurt more than my knee. I felt my shoulders go like crunch. Oh but, God. Well, then the other uh, story of you was uh, you came out to play tennis once with me and Brandon, I think. No, it was Jake. And uh, it was me. It was, yeah, you, me, and Jake played tennis. So for whatever reason, we, we just had, we did like a handicap match against Jake, me and you versus him because there's just three of us. Yeah. And you hit it into the net. <laughs> so you got all mad, even though you never played tennis. Uh, you shouldn't have this high of expectations for yourself, but you did. So you got mad that you hit it into the net, that you took your racket. You chucked it into the fence, and as you chucked it into your fence, boom, out went the knee. Okay, and the, the reason why, it's, it's, I got spastic because it was like the seventh time I had hit it into the net. It's like that time where I, uh, when I was golfing with my dad, when I ripped one of the wooden blocks out of the ground and <laughs> threw it into the woods. That's because it was like the seventh time I had sliced the ball. <laughs> Deal. That's a huge deal. Imagine if you and me were golfing. We saw some nut do that. Oh, D. Uh, I I have no patience for golf, but yet I play it. No, not I haven't played it yet this summer, but I I want to get back oh. into it. But I I enjoy it, but I also hate it all at the same time. It's complicated. Yeah, that, I, have, I that someone same, gave me a pair, of, a set of golf like, but like it's kind of a set of odds and ends. But I have a set, and okay. I want to go play too. Yeah. Uh, that same round of golf, when I when I uh, ripped the the wooden block out of the ground, I had also th- thrown my club like I smashed it into the ground with so much force that I um, it was one of those big Bertha clubs, so it just had so much forward momentum, so it literally just went end over end. It went a good like twenty feet, <laughs> and then it it literally carried. <laughs> It carried into my golf cart where my dad was sitting in the golf cart and somehow it goes like this. It goes boom up to the like the top, boom around again and out the side. Somehow it rattles around the golf cart without hitting my dad in the face and wow. he just goes, hey, one more stun like that and we're going home. None of this shit. 
and I'm like, all right. And, and now it's time to tell the audience how old you are as you're doing all these these fits. <laughs> this is like uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 to 25. Yeah, there you go. I can't remember exactly, but I was I was a young man. <laughs> God, this turns into, it's gone from being a podcast about jobs into Brian's spastic rage. <laughs> well, you know what? We're talking about jobs. Uh, give me a couple of Brian last rage out moments on the job. Um, all right. It doesn't I'll, matter which job. It could be any job. Well, this, this one is sadly more current. It's where I work now. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, I mean, yeah, so I work for a government agency. I'm not going to say which one, but uh, I, I just do general customer service in, like, a call center environment. It's call center work, but it's government, so it pays well. Figure it out. But uh, um, And so I had this person. So it's full disclosure. It was the pandemic, right? So, uh, you know, people are more stressed out. And I don't know what the hell was wrong with me that day. And so this guy just said something that set me off. I didn't yell at him, but I just literally turned and I just go, and I just punch a hole in the wall. And, uh, and that hole's still there. But it's actually gotten worse because there was a, like a couple of weeks later, I, some guy said something. Again, it set me off. So I, I pulled back from my seat. And I just turned and I kicked that hole. <laughs> and so I've just been like gradually adding to the hole. And you're renting your um, apartment. Yeah, I was actually going to call my cousin today because he does drywall. <laughs> so I'm going to call him and see if he'll give me a quote. But uh, yeah, those that's most, my most current one. Normally I've been pretty good because I've done a lot of customer service jobs. So or you're face to face with the person. So you kind of have to keep it together yeah. somewhat. I mean, I might not always, I might not always give the greatest customer service, but I never well, I'm never angry. I'll, I'll never say I'm never, I'm never angry. I find where I fly in my life where I've flown off the handle the most at a job is like when it's like a second job that you're doing just to make a little extra money, and you don't really care if you get fired. Then I've definitely been having a very much a devil may care. Um, Spirit. Uh, I remember uh, working a second. I have a story about that, but I'll I'm let working. You go oh, first. like the only other time, like working a regular job, I can remember. Maybe you'll find this funny. That I was. That was. Guys were giving me a hard time when I was working at this one restaurant, and I was on the line building a pizza. And came up behind me with a giant pizza paddle. They smacked me on the bum with it when I wasn't expecting it. So I threw a fit and I chased one guy around and punched him in the spine. See, I, you know, you got, you got mad at me once because I did that to you. You, you, me, and Jake had just done, uh, we're done like tossing the yeah. apple around, playing a catch. And I was, I was sitting in the shade and you came and whacked me in the back of the with head a glove. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. a glove. And I got up and started chasing you around. I was like, ah. Yeah. Because I turned and I didn't think you were mad. People don't like the unexpected I hit. didn't think you were mad. And then I looked and you were chasing me. You had a very angry look in your eyes. <laughs> a look of sheer terror. But uh, I, I remember one time having a fight with my manager at a job that was I was working as a second job. Um, because there was a cleaning job she wanted me to do. 
Uh, and I didn't know about it because the note was uh, the note for me to clean this thing was left uh, turned upside down. So the not the sheet of paper with the writing on it, but the other side was facing down on a clipboard that was hidden behind another book and like another file. Like she had to, she knew where this thing was. I had no idea. Didn't even think to check. So she wanted me to do it. So I said, fine, I'll clock back in because I'd already clocked out. She said, no, no, no. I paid you to have this job done already. You don't get to clock back in. Oh my so I God. said, then I'm going home. And then she said, no, no, no. You want, you, you, you're, you're cleaning this. And I'm like, then I'm clocking back in. And I'm like, we can go at this all night. And we did. <laughs> I stood there for like an hour oh my with my winter coat on holding my dinner in my hand, which then I was told I shouldn't have been able to have anyway, because that's against the law, right? And <laughs> it was so bad. The kitchen manager who like lived upstairs had come down to see what was wrong. It was just the two of us yelling. Oh my God. Like broken records. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was mad then. And then I remember getting mad, really mad one time DJing to the point like it basically ruined the party. <laughs> I'm DJing this wedding and everything is going fine. Okay. But I got a drunk girl who wants to make a request every single song. Right. For the most part, I'm, okay, she's making some decent selections at least. Okay, not so bad, right? Playing what she has, right, 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 okay. Playing what she wants. So the night goes along. It's about midnight. And we go till about 1 o'clock here in Thunder Bay. And I got up to get a Pepsi to get a little sugar and caffeine into me because I'm starting to fall asleep. And I go, and she is sitting where I was sitting on my computer going through all the files what? trying to figure it out and do it herself so I come yelling from across the room get the fuck out of that chair right like I turned into this freaking gym teacher from hell you're like get the fuck out of there and she's like I want to hear early 2000s keep playing some early 2000s get the fuck out I said you blown any chair I said I'm not playing any of your requests <laughs> and it's, she ran like hell left her wine glass sitting at my table her boyfriend came and got it from her and he like couldn't look me in the eye because I was looking at him like oh you too huh yeah you want to be a big man huh is this what you want uh, he didn't say anything to me he just got his wine glass and turned tail and then her friends start giving me the finger and start swearing at me calling me a dick I'm like would you take a police officer's gun would you take your doctor's stethoscope no you don't take a DJ's computer! The couple were fine, though. They understood. The couple, to their credit, didn't let it bother them. They were cool. They understood. I have a similar situation like that, except it's not work-related. It was literally... it was. I was living in Windsor. It was a buddy's birthday. And so we went out to a terrible club where I basically just stood there all ragey in a corner all day because <laughs> yeah, you don't I make know, clubs. I, I hate it. And so... There's this poutine place called Frenchie's. It's like a local hotspot amongst the U's of Windsor. And it was snowy. And it was there was the floors were greasy because you can like feel the fry oh, oil on the floor. You can just That's a good you can feel that, huh? that layer of film. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel that uh, layer of film underneath. And to uh, 
number the three on this trident of fuckery, I was wearing my chucks with no like uh, support. Jesus. And so th- there's this mound of assholes just like by the cashier. And I'm like, we had a table in the back. My friends yeah. were already in there. So I'm literally, uh, also this is a classic, my knee goes oh, out geez. story. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm trying to step around. I'm like, I'm like pulling a Garth Allagher. I'm like, excuse me. I'd like to get by now. And then, like, just nothing. These people are just like, drunken hands yeah. clucking about. And and so I'm, like, stepping around as, like, gingerly as I can, just, like, trying to get around this mob. And the snow on my shoe, the grease, everything, I, my foot goes one way. My other foot, like some big <laughs> fucking swinging thing, just takes out this poor girl's legs. Jeez. And so my legs kick out... My legs kick kick hers out. She lands like right on her back. I'm just like I my knee is sore because again my knee <laughs> goes out. I kind of like scuttle away because I, I went to go check on her and say, "Are you okay?" But there's like ten people already surrounding yeah. her. So I'm like, "All right, th- they got her back. No one gives a shit about the tall freak." So I'm just like, I scuttle away, and I just go. I'm like, "Oh." I'm like limping and uh, my roommate Sean's like are you okay what the hell happened I'm like I slapped the fucking oil the snow everything <laughs> and uh, so he's laughing uh, and then because he, he knew I was yeah. fine so he was just like he's getting like all of you guys getting a good chuckle <laughs> once you know I'm not in pain um, and then so this one girl comes like stomping with her friggin like uh, sand in her vagina and she's just like are you gonna come and apologize I'm like I tried everyone was checking on her uh, she's like well she's waiting for you so I go over and I'm like I am so sorry I'm just like I'm not up in the I'm not in the mood for a confrontation with this bitch so I'm just like you know what I'll go apologize and I'm like are you okay I'm so sorry she's like I'm honestly fine I'm like yeah I'm yeah. like there was a million people around I, I didn't get a chance to check she was more I knew understanding she would, than that's the stupid the, that's, the, that's the, the thing every time I'll tell you this one time we went yeah. to we went to uh, Boston Pizza and uh, drink it and me and Tom are sitting at a table and uh, you might have been there and a table of very attractive girls sits on the other side so this girl comes up to us and she goes would 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 you guys do me a favor and she's like what and she's like will you come over and kiss my friend I'm like huh. She goes, yeah, she's like, she, her boyfriend's being a dick, and it'd really help her out. And, like, <laughs> that seems a little aggressive. And Tom's like, yeah, like, honestly, uh, I've had the whole thing before where I've done something because one of her friends said, yeah, do it, and then I've just gotten slapped, slapped in the face, and I don't want that tonight. Um, and so yeah, we're like, yeah, we don't want to do it. She goes, why don't you stop being a couple of virgins and do it? That's what she said to us. <laughs> and her friend looks, she goes, what, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm trying to help you. She goes, leave those guys alone. And we're like, see, she's like, Ugh. she goes, and we're like, wait, we're, we're sorry. She was like, we're very attractive. You, you seem lovely. And she's, you know, we didn't want to. She goes, no, I appreciate it. I don't want strange men kissing me. <laughs> like, the fact <laughs> that she had to say, I appreciate it. I don't want strange men kissing me kind of shows us wrong with some people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I know your pain there. Yeah, it's 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 usually the, yeah, it's, it's just, the friends who are the jerks. The person it happens to at school. In this case, with me though, at the DJ yeah. thing, the person it happened to was a jerk. She never came back the rest of the night to request a song. Uh, but the couple that that was getting married, <laughs> the only people I care about when I'm doing a wedding, they were fine. Yeah, they understood. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. But whew. the um, 
to come back to a job where like, cause I think at this time I would have been like probably around 17, 16. I was working at the movie theater and then I, I just randomly got like a side job working at Avondale and I was terrible. I was routinely misringing things up. My <laughs> register was never balanced. Like I was always like either over or under. I'm like, how is this possible? Put your own passion at the end of the night, man. There you go. <laughs> well, it's so I got a story about that. I couldn't for so I couldn't for whatever reason I couldn't change the paper the on the uh, on the yeah. on the receipts, and it's just like so. Not it wasn't letting me ring anything up, and it was a Saturday morning. Oh, Saturday shit. mornings are always so yeah. busy. It's people buying like milk for their coffee, papers, lotto tickets, and everything. So I literally, you know, in the uh, in Clerks, where Dante has that thing of change yeah. on the counter, or he's basically just like pay for the paper, leave your change, kind of go. Uh, I basically had something like that going, where I'm basically trying to do this via calculator. <laughs> And I'm just like, ah, this is, uh, this is this. And, like, I, I was fucking the dog eight ways from Sunday. You're able to figure out the tax on the calculator? Oh, I probably, like, owed, like, a couple hundred dollars in, like, miscalculations and taxes. And it was just straight fucked. And I remember, I'm, like, 99% sure I, I quit before I could get fired because I could see the writing on the wall and our, our good friend Brent's sister worked there and I think she I think she might have told you guys behind my back once that's like she yeah, did, it's a good thing he left he's definitely Brent about to get fired. Get fired she didn't tell me but that Brent was it did. yeah yeah 100% I was just yeah for some reason I just like I, now I can set foot and do a cashier's job no problem for whatever reason also technology has gotten much easier much uh, straightforward since then this is like the old timey cash register not uh, just like they had like two things pre-set in there it was like milk and cigarettes everything else you gotta like manually punch in or like they didn't even have a scanner so it's changed. It's changed a long way, but uh, yeah, I was that was rough. One of the few times I did not fare well at that at a job. <laughs> well, uh, I, I do recall. Uh, I know you like you, you quit before you got fired there, but wasn't it at Walmart, Brian, that you you just stopped showing up? Uh. Well, I worked at Walmart two summers. The first summer I was a cashier. I did yeah. the whole thing. And then uh, the second summer, I was a overnight stock person. And that really fr uh, kind of fried my brain a little bit because um, I was working from 11 to 7. And then I would try to sleep, you know, like 8 a.m. to as much as I could get. And then I, I coached baseball that summer. So I usually have a game or practice. And then I would kind of repeat the whole thing. And I would always get an uh, interrupted phone call. So I always slept like shit and it was just a mess. So after like a couple, like, I think I did the job for about a month and a half. I think it was the last two, three weeks of the year of the summer. I think, yeah, it was midsummer. I think I just stopped showing up like the last two weeks. So it wasn't like I like a weekend. I'm like, fuck this. I actually put in a good amount of time. But yes, towards the end there, I was just like, I think I phoned in sick one morning or one night. And then after that, I was just like. <laughs> you know, I really wish I had a good quitting story or a story where I got fired and told the boss to go fuck himself. But, you know, it never came to that. I was always two weeks notice. Thanks for having me. I, I, 
would say I think I've been a basically a model employee most places I've gone. Um, I'd say I, I mean, like as model as I could be, like I did the job too, as best as I could or whatever. Sometimes some people, you know, they have over expectations or sometimes, you know, you get politics involved and like some people play favorites yeah. and stuff. And I don't come from a family of people that ever got promoted. <laughs> so like, cause my dad's terrible at playing the game. And like when my mom was working, she would. She was never one to shy away from speaking her mind. So I don't. I think that's why <laughs> neither of them would ever really got Funny promoted for in their respective much jobs. Different reasons. Well, like why? your mom, she's not afraid to tell someone off, and your yeah. dad's like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna yeah, involved yeah. with that." Yeah. yeah. There's no happy medium uh, between. Yeah, it was never. <laughs> I guess maybe that's you. Yeah, I am yeah, the happy because when when you and I worked at Mind Games, which was a toy board game that puzzle also store, sold DVDs, which is it also sold slot machines, it sold swords. They reached a point where oh. they didn't know what they were doing, and were selling everything. Was, uh, we had at the, to throw the old man who came in and asked you if we had antacid tablets. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in hindsight, I think I, I think I yelled at. Him. I'm like, no, we don't have any acid tablets. But honestly, I probably should have checked the back because we might have had something just because they had everything. But you know, you didn't see this, but at the Burlington store, yeah, uh, th- there was a sport check in that store. Well, I think there's a sport check in most stores at most malls. But they. Uh, they literally, it was a Christmas Eve shift, and I was getting, it was oh, getting yeah. ready to close, and the, we were taking out the um, cardboard, because we were like, you know, last second, they were throwing up some other stuff, you never know when you get some, uh, some last minute shoppers, so as we're going to the uh, garbage, the compactor, the, one of the owners goes, Ryan, you see the? You see those golf clubs? He's like, take those golf clubs. I was like, and they, these like had their uh, castaways from Sport Check that had like sp- orange spray paint on them, like they were just useless. And I'm like, no one's gonna buy these golf clubs. And I'm, he's like, just take them. And I'm like, all right. So I I brought them to the back, and then after like he's just like. It's like, why don't you take some of those home? I'm like, I don't want these golf clubs. They're spray paint. Although I ended up taking nice a couple. Nice uh, these free golf clubs. <laughs> just these people. The amount of shit that and, we put up with there. I have to ask you, was it Ray or Sasan? Because Ray was all right. Sasan was, was nuts. It was, it was Ray. Because Ray, because yeah, he, he actually right. had a sales background. Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, Ray really grew on me because he's like he respected the work worth at work ethic when you started to work he that's when he kind of gave you a bit yeah. of uh, like a pat on the back and some slack right. Sasan was just he a was, nutcase with he uh, flew by like, the seat he was of his like pants. an eccentric yes. billionaire he was like an eccentric billionaire that didn't know why he couldn't get a tiger at 3 a.m. Yeah. in like Minnesota you know what I mean I remember in one February. time that's well, basically very Prince, rare but. times when I started that they would actually work shifts and this one time he was in there working mm. on a Saturday. So I'm like, all right, I guess he's here. And he, we had that gum, that like joke gum. So you go to pull a piece of gum out and it gives you a shock. And it's actually horrible. I don't know why people bought these things, <laughs> but they're horrible. I remember one guy telling his wife, it's like licking a battery. You ever lick a battery? That's what it feels like. I'm like, what kind of nut? I guess these nuts exist. Do you want to buy this shit? Right? So yeah. he's sitting there. With the gum. And he goes, you want some gum? To the customer. And the customer takes the gum. 
kid's shocked. He goes, you buy it? You buy it? And he goes, I'm not going to buy it. The guy left in a big um, Can you imagine... Can you imagine if we're ringing up some like spoiled like twice something who's just like, oh, this gum is great. I have a I have a sick in uh, grandma. I need to get my uh, inherited soon. Maybe this will give her a heart attack. Imagine like, imagine if there was some lunatic out there that thought that would work. Speaking of lunatics, I'll tell you that this job at Mind Games was the only job ever where Brian and I Brian and I actually worked together. Although I did get you a couple yeah. fill-in shifts with the great. Rock and Ray Michaels at Oldies 1150. Uh, we'll get into we can get that into that guy. a little bit if you want. I don't care if I burn my bridge with him. I uh, got no bridge with that guy. What no bridge? bridge? Last I heard, he was working no, at a you gas know where station. He's working. My old station in Caledonia. Oh yeah, because didn't didn't a bunch of people like team up and buy it or yeah, something? Yeah, it got bought by Kicks. So Kicks owns it. And they brought it, so he, the, the, it's kind of a sad thing about radio. So there's two, the two big stations in radio uh, in Hamilton. You've got like, um, fuck, I forget all their names now. But it was uh, CHML and, um, oh, God, I feel like such a, the chorus, the chorus stations. What's, what's the rock station? Yeah. Rock 108? Y108. Y108's the rock station. So Y108, and then you got K, K, uh, K-Light FM. That was owned. Oh God, when it was it, a, not Vista. Of God, I can't remember. But they're the two big ones. Well, and as they yeah. go through different ownerships, at one point both stations kind of cut ties with all the veterans. So it was like if you're over fifty, you're done. So a bunch of these veterans who have really were are really like a who's who of Hamilton radio legends. Lost their jobs all at the yeah. same time. So this place, Kicks, bought up my station, which at the time had one announcer, and she was the salesperson and the announcer and the news reporter. They kept her on and let her pick what job she wanted to continue doing. So she's like, I like doing news. So she got to keep her job doing news. Mm. Uh, that they, they started giving all these old guys their jobs back and getting them to work in radio again. So he was one of the people they brought back in. Yeah, a little bit of uh, Hamilton uh, radio history there. And I could be way off. And, and some radio <laughs> file is going to listen to this and goes, he knows nothing about radio. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> don't know how I've stayed employed for this long, but yeah. I just remember seeing this one article of uh, Ray Michaels. He's sitting behind a, like a cashier at a gas station with his patented like, sunglasses and his big thumbs up and his hammy smiles like, eh. But so he's got like a ga- uh, like a, a radio board here. Then there's like a ca- cashier thing yeah. here. So there was like if you Google it, you can find this old article of him like pumping gas and broadcasting like simultaneously. And I'm sure if, very I'm sure weird. if he couldn't re- change the receipt paper, he'd throw an even bigger fit uh, than you threw there, Brian. <laughs> he, he he was not a very very pleasant person to be around, despite the big smile and yeah. fake attitude. Yeah. Yeah, was such but a anyway, phony. getting back to uh, mind games. Um, oh God, where was I? Oh yeah, we're talking about uh, you know difficult people and stuff like that. Uh, you were the king of getting some difficult people <laughs> to leave. Um, one 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 thing was that used to piss me off is parents would go to the mall. And they basically send their kids to mind games and, ha- like, it's a daycare or a hangout. 
And yeah. you were the best at kicking kids out. I remember we sold these things called microbes. And what microbes were were they're little stuffed animals uh, that are shaped like germs. And the one kid grabbed the one that was shaped as a fat cell. And he ran up to your belly with it. And this kid's being obnoxious, like, out of control the entire time. He held it up to your belly and went, fat! And you looked at him and he went, get out! <laughs> and he ran out of the store! And uh, he came back in with his mom. Do you remember that? And was like, ha, 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 ha. He can't yell at me now. I'm with my mom. Yeah, but I was I was happy you kicked that kid out. You were good at kicking people out. Oh, do you want to hear a good yeah, kick out story? So when me when me and Campbell uh, worked at the movies, uh, they had a thing called closing usher. So basically, it's exactly what it sounds like when people are milling about in the lobby after like the last theater was out. You know, you're kind of like, all right, folks, time to go home. You, you don't have to leave here, but you can't stay. Yeah. Kind of thing, whatever. However, that whole thing goes. Go home, and but you, you can't had to, like, stay. But you can't stay here. Thank you. Um, and we had to shut off the projectors, things like that. Do kind of like last minute checks to make sure everything was okay. And then uh, and you went home. And this one random Friday night, normally it's a job that one person is more than capable of doing. But for some reason, these idiots decided to put me and Campbell on together. <laughs> and um, so... Campbell is like, he's like, I need you to be my muscle, but as soon as you open your mouth, no one's going to believe you as intimidating. So keep your mouth shut and stand behind me and look angry. Nice friends we have. (laughs) So he's like, all right, kids, you got to go. They're like, and uh, they're they're just giving Mike a lot of attitude. He's like, He's like, listen here, you piece of shit. He's like, you need to get the fuck out. He actually said this to him. Like, there's no managers oh, wow. around. Nothing. He, we got, and what's hilarious is Mike liked to think he was, like, he was uh, Mr. Rule Breaker. That he's like, oh, Mikey goes to his oh, own yeah. job. When he was the biggest corporate Toe stooge. The he's like, line. running around. Not only that, he was always running around like, oh, I, I got, when he was the projectionist uh, before things went digital, he's like, oh, I got to thread like eight things. I'm so behind schedule. He's always like a panicky <laughs> Pete. And then uh, when he be, got promoted to team leader, same thing. He was always like, he tried to act like he was like this. Oh, I don't care. I'm good. If anyone was that, that was me. I would show up with my shirt untucked, my <laughs> collar half like popped up. I like It took me a few minutes to like get myself oh, together. I remember at mind games when you showed up wearing a shirt. That was more whole than shirt. <laughs> uh, do you not take any pride in your appearance? I honestly, I, th- I think if memory serves, I don't know why I was wearing it, but I think I didn't think there was as many holes as there was. I think that was my. I'm like, oh, it's just like one little tear here. It's not so bad, but there's way more. If, you, if it's a little, if you can see skin through the shirt. It's not worth wearing, especially to a job. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was in a rush and I literally grabbed the first shirt. I can't remember. But when I was working at another job, I was wearing that same holy shirt, but I was wearing it under another shirt because it was like I was wearing like a nice yeah. button up shirt. But then I had that as like the undershirt. And like one of the supervisors came up and was like, Brian, can you go to the back and take that off? That's not office appropriate. Because, like, luckily I was wearing, like, the other shirt over top. 
Yeah. Wow. But so I had to like go run, run off and uh, and change and just so I just had the one. Sh- I felt weird because I hate not having like a t-shirt or something underneath like a a collared shirt like that. You know what I mean? Like those button ups. I don't like, especially because we're we're chubbier guys. The those potential, those holes. Like if uh, when you sit down when you're a fat guy, uh, those holes is kind of like vaginas. those unforgiving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ugh. So that's why I always try to have some fabric in between me and uh, the shirt vaginas. Yeah, you and me both. And I I try. I found a way to do it where you can kind of, if you get a shirt that kind of matches the colors. Like if you're getting that with a black shirt, but you got a black shirt on underneath, no one will notice except you. You gotta yeah, it's bad match. if you're wearing like a black shirt than a white undershirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then everyone sees. But then again, you'll get some yeah. shirts that they'll fit you fine, and you'll still get it. Like the shirt vagina yeah. can sometimes be unavoidable, no matter how big or small you are. Yeah. yeah. So, just because you see someone sitting there with the little diamonds on their shirt, uh, where the buttons ups are, doesn't mean they just gained a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. yeah. And if they did, eh, so well, be nice. who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, We're all God's children. Go. Be nice. Uh, <laughs> try to think. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. I the only time I've ever actually had like a, once I got into radio, I, I I got my fair share of complaints. But I remember one was being underdressed for something, and like I got a lot of complaints. So I. Yeah, oh, really? so when I got my first morning show gig, I still had to do my old job, which was a, as a part-time news reporter, and I still had to go to council. So I found out that they had hired a part-time girl who was going to do the part-time news reporting as a kind of an intern. This is great. I don't have to do do it anymore. You know, I felt great. Basically, I just had to go to council with her, show her the ropes, show her to work the Morant. Uh, read her story over, edit her work when she was finished doing it. Basically, that's all I had to do that night. So I was basically taking the night off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I had to come in, but it was, for me, it was basically free overtime money. Okay? Right. I wore a pair of black chinos, my black fat farm shoes with the little bit of uh, ska <laughs> print on the top of them. I wore a thermal. And over top of that thermal, I wore my lime green Mad Caddy shirt. Because I didn't care. And I think I had a pea coat on because it was like uh, late October. So I had a black pea coat on. So that kind of looked nice. Um, and the girl was in full like business attire because she, she wanted to do a good job. And she did do a good job for us. And we walked in and everyone is dressed immaculate. Like they were going to a ball. And I was like, what the hell? Turns out this was the council meeting where they swore in the new council. And they make a huge deal about it. One of the staff members got up and sang a song, which I didn't expect. It was that uh, theme to the Olympics, which was kind of funny. But still, it was one of those times where you meet, you you, you remember that, I believe in the country of you and I. That got played uh, during the Vancouver games. <laughs> she sang that. But it was kind of a cool moment because it's one of those moments where the person gets up and sings. And I didn't know this person could sing. You ever had that? Jeez. Yeah. So she sang a song and they all get sworn in. And, and all the counselor's family members are there. And they're all dressed absolutely immaculate. And uh, I felt so out of place. Because when you are a 
in at, 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 particularly at the Haldeman Council meetings. They didn't have like a special a side area or something like that for the uh, media members. You're right in the mix. Right. So I look like a bum that got dragged in off the street <laughs> that's just kind of hanging out with everyone. Um, so anyway, thing ends. Later that week, uh, Ted, what did you wear to this council meeting? This is our sales guy who said it. So I'm like, oh, I didn't dress yeah. very well. We got about four <laughs> complaints about the your reporters, but the matter of dress doesn't he know how to dress? <laughs> that was funny. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm, I screwed up. Uh, that's that's my bad. Uh, nothing worse than like, that, huh? When, you, when you're a, just improperly like, what would be? What do you? How do you feel in that moment? Have you ever shown up something to a, an event just way underdressed? Or dressed inappropriately. I feel like, for me, I feel like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, like, there's definitely been times where I've, like, not, not too bad. Like, you know, there's times where everyone's wearing a suit and I'm wearing a, uh, uh, like, a nice dress shirt and slacks kind of thing. But just not the shirt and tie kind of yeah. thing. So I'm like, I'm close, but not off. It's like... I see when you were talking about this, I was thinking about one of my cousin's weddings and it was like a nice, uh, it was a nice wedding and, but it was a summer wedding. And so everyone, for some reason in my family was getting so judgmental (laughs) about my cousin, Eric, who's wearing like, look at him. Wearing jeans and a golf shirt to a wedding. Because, like, a lot of my family are very, like, old school, traditional. Like, no, you got to wear this shirt, you got to wear this, that. Like, press your pants kind of thing. Like, very proper. And they're just getting their noses all out of joint about this. uh, About my cousin Eric. And, like, he is not, like, it's not like we were, like, 16. And it's just, like, this is all he had. Um, It was, like, he was an adult. I think he had one or two kids at the time. Like, like second cousins, if you will. Yeah. cousin twice removed, whatever, however it works. But, uh, so, it just, you know, it was a summertime kind of wedding. And so, he's just like, "Eh, I'm keeping a little cash. And, but, yeah, that rubbed a lot of my aunts and uncles the wrong way. But, actually, uh, when I went back to school for PR, we were doing this, like, job fair and... For whatever reason, I could not find, or not a job fair, but it was like mock interviews for the real world kind of thing. And so I, I met with like this guy from the Halton police, like the PR department or the communications department and a couple of other ones. And we got our feedback and he criticized my manner of dress. Well, what was his issue with the way you were dressed? And so, and, and this is the thing, for whatever reason, I could not find like... My suit pants. Okay. So I like, uh, I don't know if, I think I was between, this is when I was kind of in like a weird in between. And I think my suit pants, it would have been like David Byrne in the, uh, <laughs> the, the burning down the house video where this is, it would have been these no, obnoxiously uh, uh, big no, slacks. Uh, twice a lifetime. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some um, he's got the big suit. But yeah, they would have. They would have been, like, obnoxious. And that would have looked more unprofessional. It was like on The Simpsons when Cooter's wearing Homer's clothes. Um, <laughs> I remember so having that I, fear. What I went oh, with, sorry, go ahead. So what I went with were these, like, nice dress shoes, like these kind of, like, uh, navy blue kind of loafers okay. with, like, uh, red kind of trim on the outside. Okay. A, a nice, like, black and blue, like, print, like, shirt, collar shirt, nice black tie, uh, and a and a cardigan over top instead of a jacket. And the okay. problem was, I wore I wore 
they were like very pressed, very nice, dark navy blue jeans. That was the problem. It was the blue jeans. He hated them, but they were nice. It's not like there was, they were like almost like dressy jeans, if you were. They were like the nicest pair that I ever had. And they were like, yeah. I, I thought I thought I looked sharp, but I, and I was literally like, I didn't explain to him. I'm like, this is all I have. You also have to take into account that the time you did this, there was such a thing as designer jeans. Yeah. Designer jeans aren't really a thing anymore. No. And the and also, we were just coming off of the wave of the casual businessman, where yeah. it was kind of like how Harrison Ford dressed in The Fugitive. You know, you'd have your, your tweed <laughs> blazer, but you'd also have your uh, blue jeans and white sneakers. Yeah. The Seinfeld yeah. look. Yeah, or the, the Letterman look. So if you didn't wear blue jeans, you wore, like, oversized khakis. And <laughs> yeah. took the jacket off the second the show was done. Uh, but, you know, you had that look, the casual businessman. And so in our minds, yeah, jeans were kind of acceptable. Yeah. At my job right now, I can tell you, if I were to show up in blue jeans, unless it was, like, a morning shift, then they're they're a little more lenient with me. I've, I've worn jeans a couple times on a morning shift just because it's super duper early and I'm not dealing with the public. But they're okay with black jeans. It's blue jeans they don't like. But black jeans? You can wear black jeans anytime. And that was the thing. I, I was thinking about it, but the problem was yeah. all my black jeans would have been the same problem. Very baggy because they were older. They were like, I wore them in high school. Yeah. Baggy, uh, just stains probably, unprofessional. So I'm like, this is literally the nicest, as sharp as I can look before I, like, you know, start to look sloppy. Because the thing is, not like everything was very prim proper. Like, I thought I, and like, you know, my hair was combed nice. Everything, like, not like how I'm looking right now with the sloppy thing. Like, so. They can't see you, Brian. We could be wearing three piece suits right now. They can't see us. <laughs> we should do that next time when we record Blue Rodeo, just like suits and ties. You got a thing about suits, and they go for a swim in the pool in our suits. That would have been hilarious. For a bit, Ted. I was talking about doing it for a bit. Anyway. <laughs> but you can see me, and you can see how sloppy my hair is right now. That's what I was it's getting at. It's also 10 o'clock at night. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so the guy wrote on my like feedback form. He was such an anal douchebag about it. And I thought wow. we hit it off. I thought we hit it off well. Like, very good rapport. And, uh, yeah, never even remotely tried to apply for a job with Halton Police after that. There is a level of professionalism you need. Well, let's get into it, because I have worn denim shorts to a job interview before and gotten the <laughs> job. I absolutely did, and I thought I looked good. This was in high school. My job at Let's Celebrate, which is the greatest job I ever had, <laughs> you know, um, Give me, I want to hear a couple of job interview stories. Do you have any that you're really bombed? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I mean, like, there's a, there's a couple that I thought I crushed and I just completely missed the mark. Uh, yeah. Then there's then there's a couple where I was just like, because you know there's certain rules about job interviews about you know roughly how long they should be and things like that. So there was one where I think I was in a and I showed up early for the job interview too. So I think I because you know they say you should be there. There's an acceptable amount of time that's early, but then there's almost too early. 
and I think I flirted at this time. I think I flirted with two early because there was one Ooh, of the. Okay. Uh, it was it was like a a job working for a film company. It was one of the first interviews out of college, and this was what pissed me off. In high school, I was in a hot streak. I don't think there was a job interview I went for. I can think of maybe one, my first kick of the can at the movie theater. I didn't get that one. That was probably yeah. a bad interview. Um, but other than that, there's not a job interview that I went for in high school that I did not get. So I was on a hot streak until after college where it was just rejection population me. Um but yeah, so it was an office job for us, like a PA, office PA for, I think it was like an animation company or something like that. That's kind of and, a cool gig, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think I, I was in there like 15 minutes early. I said, it's like, I'm sorry I'm early. I just got here a little quicker than I thought. I'll wait, it's no problem. I'm trying to make myself seem, you know, yeah. easy going and flexible. Like, oh no, they're ready for you now. And I, I was like, okay. So I went in there. I think I was out before what would have been my start time. <laughs> Needless oh to say, I didn't. Oh, my God, really? It was I don't think quick, I, huh? I, Yeah, it was. So, but there's been a couple of times where I have completely fucked up on my cover letter or my resume. Like, there was one time oh, I, because yeah. I, I was sending a cover letter, and it was for... Again, it was after college, and so I was going after film, TV, and radio stuff. Even though my specialty yeah. wasn't radio, I was going after whatever I could find. And I misspelled the guy who I was... Because I, I was... I, 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 ne I never took my time with cover letters. I do now. Yeah. But, ba but back then, I was like 20, 21, 22 maybe. Uh, and so I, I misspelled the guy's name. I'm like, dear Mr. Whatever. I, uh, I think I misspelled his last name. And one of the lines in my cover letter, you know, it's the cliched thing. I'm very detail-oriented. So he writes back, and I see, his, I see the response. So I got very excited. I'm like, oh, maybe I got an interview. He's like, dear Brian, you will not be getting an interview. And for someone who's detail-oriented, you might want to double-check how to spell the person you're applying to's name. All the best. Whatever the fuck. And so I actually emailed him. I'm like, holy I, shit. I emailed him back and I was like, that's I, soul crushing. Yeah. I was like, I am beyond embarrassed. I, you know, I deserve that chirp. That was a sick burn, basically. Like, I didn't say that, but, but I'm like, that, I just, I'll, you took it. You, 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 sometimes you just got to own it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not. Uh, God. I did not like curse that guy back. Like, well, you don't have to be such an asshole. I'm just a young kid. Like, I didn't pull anything like that. I was. Uh, I took my lump and I moved on. I looked for another job. It's how you have to do it. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. You might want to clap back. Yeah, it's a learning experience. Um, I remember in radio in school in in college, um, my radio teacher Ron Tufts. Uh, one of the projects he had us do before the end of our school year was this job package that we had to put together. <laughs> so you needed you need a big package, um, your resume, your cover letter. You had to have your demo reel with you, a photo of yourself, like a headshot, a business card, all of this shit. And on top of that, he wanted us to do something that stood out, you know, not just something boring. And he was telling us about this this one person he gave an A to because they they put their resume in a bottle and made it look like a message in a bottle that you had to unscroll and everything like that, all this shit. 
So somehow, uh, unless you're applying to be Sting's assistant, that's not a good. That's not a good call. Exactly. Now I wonder if Sting would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it would have been more awkward. Actually, it's like it's like get it because you're in the police. It's a message, and I'd be like, oh, I get it. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Because when Tuff said the idea was when you mail these out to all the radio stations you're going to apply to, um, it's going to be on the top of the the hit parade because it's a bottle, right? Right. So. I had my dad take a picture of me, like, wearing a dress shirt, like, smiling away, you know? <laughs> and I was trying to wrap my head around how to make this thing different. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? going to make a t-shirt. I'm going to put my f- photo, photo of me that my dad just took, on the front of this t-shirt. And off the back, I'm going to put my resume. And I'm going to mail this out to every radio station in Canada. And I'm bound to get a job. Now, when I handed it into Tufts, I got an A. And I didn't get many A's in college. (laughs) (laughs) I may have gotten a a career in radio, but I didn't get too many A's. But for this project, he was quite wowed and impressed with the initiative I had with the T-shirt and liked it. He gave me an A. I thought I was a shoo-in. I thought... Radio stations across Canada would want me because of this genius move. Not a single callback. And the only bit of feedback back I got was from you, who had talked to a guy who had worked at one of the stations I sent the t-shirt to, and said, do you know this guy? And he went, oh yeah, that's Ted, I went to school with him. And the person went, who sends a shirt? And threw out the shirt. <laughs> well, so it's because... In- I forget where, I don't know if I told you the story or if someone, but I heard the story. It was the Simcoe radio station and it was Adam Leifel. Yeah, no, I know that story. I mean, like, uh, I heard a story of somebody going for an internship with Edge 102. And what what they did is they taped their resume to a case of beer because, you know, radio people love the booze. Yeah. And so they thought it was so, you know, again, same thing. Top of the pile. It's hard to ignore that. It stood out like a sore thumb. But that also probably, and just like when Tufts was given these, like, you know, now, it's, you know, it's almost like comedians doing, like, TV dinner jokes or something. It almost would seem hackneyed now. Or even, like, back when we did it. Because Tufts, well, the, the th- like, Tufts yeah. probably hasn't, at that time, he probably didn't apply for a job since, like, the 70s. Well, that was the thing, too, because when I went on Milkman to get a start on this, I was like, I, I printed up all these T-shirts. I had all these packages ready to go. I'm like, oh, email. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll email it to you. Okay. This, oh, email. And now it's unheard of to hear a job where they don't accept your application from email. There's no more walking around the mall and just handing them out like me and you used to do. Especially even more so now it, during uh, pre or mid kind of tail end of COVID stuff. <laughs> People well, are like, yeah, don't, don't yeah. hand me anything. <laughs> it's a little bit different. But I remember just being so disappointed that this person scoffed at the t-shirt that yeah. I thought was such a great idea. And now there's probably thrift stores <laughs> all over. Look how, how lousy that shirt must have been that they probably couldn't even sell it at a thrift store. Can you imagine if one, with me on it. one day, if like when you were 20, or 22, yeah. whatever it was, and you applied for a job just by, and you forgot about it in Thunder Bay, and you saw some guy walking down the street with a photo of you. It's like, what is that? It's like, I would love it. I'd freak out. I, oh my God, where'd you get that? <laughs> That's me. 
that would be the best thing ever. Oh, oh. I, I thought it was going to be my ticket in, and uh, yeah, it wasn't. Well, this it is, wasn't. This goes to show, like uh, you know, sometimes one of the various problems with the educational system. A lot of people get to <laughs> uh, post secondary is uh, yeah. Guys who have been teaching for a while get too comfortable, and they're like, "Why are we taking cues from you? You haven't had to get a job in the industry in years. You don't, uh, you don't keep current." Like, there's certain teachers, like our old film teacher Dave Niven. He was a legitimate. Like, he'd take time off and go work. So he's. Oh yeah, well we we had teachers that were working. I, I the so uh, this Vista Radio, who owned the radio station group I was working for at the time. Uh, bought the Niagara Falls station that uh, our current events teacher worked for. And everyone knew her. And everyone from that station went to Niagara College. <laughs> and they all knew all the same teachers I had. Yeah. Everyone knew each other. Yeah. It just, it's a small circle. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this, we had people who actually worked in the business. So it, that was legit. No, I know. They worked in the business, but a lot of them, like, uh, once they got that cushy film job, they stopped. Uh, keeping sharp with what's going on in the industry. So a lot of them kind of got fat fat and lazy, you know what I mean? And it's like uh, when I was doing that PR course at Sheridan, uh, like our teacher who taught us for the majority of the stuff, he was also the guy who ran the program. He came from a journalism background. He didn't come from PR. And uh, so he's like telling us how to write for like, uh, like, yeah, you can tell us how to write a press release and that's all well and good. But all the other tips and stuff were just useless. And there was actually a kid. Uh, he actually lives in Thunder Bay now. He's He was a nice guy, but he was like this. Oh. Uh, he works for, if you ever hear the name Andrew Thompson, I think he works for the city. So uh, you, I'm pretty sure he works for like. doesn't ring a bell, but it's an insanely common name. So Yeah, Andrew Thompson. Yeah, it's pretty. But uh, anyway, he's a uh, yeah. nice guy. He, he would never shy away from, uh, you never, what's the, never mince words. He, he was always up front, yeah. very bl- blunt, and uh, there was one time he just roasted our teacher right to his face. <laughs> just like I said, these ideas are all useless. Like, you write for journalism. How, wow. does, how does this translate to PR? He was very frank, and he's like, and our teacher, uh, Nathan Mallett, he's a very nice guy. I don't think he liked me very much, but uh, he, very nice guy, very Jimmy Stewart vibe about him. And uh, so he's just like... How old was he? Oh, he was like middle age. He was like forties. He just like he, he kind of had that John. Every, wow. Okay. So like, he just kind of had right. that every man next door kind of vibe, and his like he had this kind of like chipper, like long face, just like Jimmy Stewart. And so when well, how's it going, everybody? Yeah. When Andrew roasted him, he's like he's like I'll tell you how it, how it works for PI. And he got it right like this, and he's like, <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, what did I get myself into? But uh, I, I felt bad because I accidentally roasted him to his face, too, because he literally mispronounced this girl's name for seven months. We were near the end of the course, oh, and she never corrected yeah. him. And so her name was Tasia, but the, it was, there was a Y in there. It was like a YJ. So he would always pronounce oh, it like okay. he'd always pronounce it like Taya or Tewa or something. And so... So she had just uh, said something, and so I put up my hand. I'm like, I'd like to just add to something that Tasia, and I really like em- emphasis. So I, oh. I completely embarrassed him because everyone in the class was like, because <laughs> it was like a kind of open joke that he's like, wow, he's never going to get her name right. So it was like March, and he's like, have I been pronouncing your name wrong this whole time? <laughs> he's like, I am so sorry. <laughs> 
What did uh, what'd she say to you when you did that? Nothing. Not all heroes wear capes, Ted. <laughs> I guess you're right. Uh, what else we got uh, on the docket here? I figured I'd have much more stories flowing, especially from DJing. Just because that is such a thankless, horrible job. <laughs> Um, well, what's the, there's one you're telling me about this one wedding where the, like the, the like the groom got so shit faced he was down to a tank. There had to have been something yeah. from that wedding. <laughs> well, okay, let me tell you something about this wedding. Okay, this guy was nervous. He was a nervous Jervis. Okay, it's nervous and Purvis. I like Jervis. A little tribute to my favorite Survivor cast member. Oh, he was the um, worst. Oh, he was the best. He was my guy. Uh, what's it called? Um, so anyway, um, he, he was nervous in the meeting with us and everything like that. And he comes over after he's already done the ceremony to tell me how nervous he is. Just before everything's going going down. So I shake his hand. He leaves. He gets a beer, obviously. This is where the trouble started. And he leaves the room. Um, then... In comes, but 20 minutes later, the groom. Here comes the guy again, okay. And he's with a woman who is definitely not his wife. Okay, this guy's wife was uh, from the Philippines. This is a white woman. And they start making out. <laughs> like, making out in front of me. And then the guy stops. But he kind of acts like he doesn't know me or didn't realize I was going to be there. Like, what the fuck am I seeing? <laughs> do I tell someone... What do I do? No one told me. The groom had an identical twin. Oh. <laughs> that was the best man. And the best man suits were just like the groom's outfit. So I thought it was him cheating on his wife. Turns out it was his brother with his own wife. So that was weird. Oh, it's so a good I didn't thing get off to a good start. But at least this guy wasn't a piece of shit. It's a good thing you didn't say anything. Because imagine if you started this oh, whole row. Very good So, we don't even get to the dancing yet. And this guy gets so bombed that by the time they do their first dance, every time they had to go up and do something, a layer of clothing would come off. <laughs> he is just in his tank top. He keeps doing this big, weird smile to everyone because he can't get his words together. And when the first dance was done, the man was passed out in the corner. Um, the poor wife, the poor wife, uh, she woke him up eventually and they left and all this. I didn't get a tip. I think that he was just too <laughs> drunk to even think about tipping me. Uh, although the MC of the wedding, uh, came up to me and shook my hand and said it was the best damn DJ he had ever worked with. So I took that as a, as a good compliment. And the party did flow pretty well until things really petered out from, you know, just, when the groom's not taking part in his own party because he's hammered. There's no party, really. You know? The, uh, shit, what's I gonna say? Um, oh, there was also this Jamaican couple that grabbed me from the, behind the, da- behind the, the, uh, the table, and they pulled me onto the dance floor, and they, they wanted me to lead everyone in the Macarena, so I'm out of the dance floor doing the Macarena, <laughs> and everyone's having fun, so yeah, they wound up being a good little, uh, good little wedding. Um, one thing, you know, when you think back of your, you know, adolescent jobs whether it's uh 
high school, college age jobs, what was the time where you either came in hungover or just uh or just oh, okay. pretty pretty banged up? Um a bunch <laughs> a bunch of times. Um I will say this. I have never puked at work. Now, once, not ever. I do remember a couple of times at a restaurant I worked at that was attached to a bar, people asking me to come help them out in the kitchen when they got a late rush and they were by themselves and doing the cut station, which is where you take the stuff out of the oven with the big knife. Yeah. Hammered doing that. (laughs) Yeah, that's safe. Definitely did that before. Um, What else did I do? Uh, I remember getting mad at you at Mind Games because you and me were at a bar the night before. Oh, no, so two nights before. And I got invited to go out this crazy Niagara Falls trip. And I had to work the next morning. And I asked you to cover my shift. And you refused. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. And I couldn't face anyone, take, get anyone else to cover it. So I said, fuck it. And I remember my dad had to drive me in. To work because I didn't want to drive because I woke up still drunk. Did the shift. You finally showed up. I was sweating right through my shirt. Like I said, my armpits are crying salty tears. <laughs> and uh, then I went home and just slept. Uh, I remember I remember one time this is when I first started driving because I didn't start driving till later. Uh, there was definitely a few times when I was the mascot. For K Light, oh, sorry, for 820 Champ. Oh, yeah. Where I was, I was very hungover those days. I'd sleep on the in the car on the way there. And I remember, uh, you remember Bob Murray? Oh, yeah. And Bob Murray's a good guy. And uh, every morning, because when I was the country bear for 820 Champ, all time, old time country favorites, I wore a costume and it was a bear dressed up like a cowboy. You wear it all over the place. You sweat your ass off because you're basically wearing this giant piece of fur and a helmet so you can't wipe the sweat off your brow so you just drench sweat into your face um and boiling hot uh tough job to do but every morning when i'd come in he was our weekend announcer nice guy he'd go hey so how's chammy today and that great big radio voice how's chammy today and he was oh, doing pretty good bob this one day how how's Chammy today? And I went, Chammy's fucking hung over. And he went, ah, ah. he lost his shit. He fell into a couch. He was laughing so hard. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> when when I worked at Chapters after for I think it was either right before first year or right after first year, like the that summer. I can't remember, but yeah. um, we were is one of our first times going to Hess Village. I think it was maybe two or okay. three. And so we were yeah. at Hess Village till probably like midnight one, and then we went back to my house and we were drinking on my back porch till about three thirty four in the morning. And I had a shift. Oh, good time! I had a shift at seven, so I got up and at like I got up at six thirty on two hours sleep, and I like stumble into the shower because I know myself. I'm like I need a shower to wake up, and I can't just go in reeking of booze. <laughs> and so I'm like halfway to work, and I'm like. Still drunk? Not a good idea. <laughs> um, and so I'm like literally, I uh, I worked the early shift. Luckily, I'll, it was one of those, uh, I forget what they called it. It was merchandising. It was a merchandising shift where you're literally just, you know, 
pulling old books that like they they had too many copies of fucking Dan Brown or whatever they were stocking some doing returns on others and so yeah. I'm like literally like stumbling around this bookstore like a comedy of errors and uh I'm like dropping books. I'm it's taking me for I'm like literally they're like Brian, can you pull out this one barcode? And I'm like thumbing like my way across. It's taking me forever to read this thing. And it's like <laughs> like like what is wrong with you? I'm like I just didn't sleep well last night. <laughs> and jeez, there was that one. And then there was the it was supposed to be my first training shift at the radio station, uh, where I was basically shadowing. I think his name was Robbie. He was like a board op. I th- Tom? Or it was Tom. Tom, that was it, yeah. Tom, and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Tom. But I didn't even drink this night. It was just we were out super late with the law. This was uh, after... So we were on our way back from uh, Cooperstown? I think so. Or so it, was, it was. We were in Simcoe for whatever reason. It was like we were up super late. I was driving him back. Oh, that was it, okay. And... Um, because I think, yeah, we stayed up super late. He slept at my place until while I did this quick board off training shift. But, like, I got no sleep. Like, I think I went to bed yeah. at, like, 6, got up at 6.30, was at the station by, like, 7 or something. Yeah, and, those board off shifts start early. And so by the time I, 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 I was just crushing, like, a Dr. Pepper the whole time, trying to get my caffeine up. And this is at 6 in the morning. What kind of psycho drinks a Dr. Pepper so early? But, uh... So I got through the shift. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cakewalk. I can do this. I retain nothing. So I, and uh, I, so I dropped off Adam. We said our goodbyes. I nearly, like, spun off the road, like, six times you know, from oh, Simcoe. Geez. I was so exhausted. Well, you know, th- 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 speaking of which, uh, burning yourself at both ends can be tough, especially. Oh, yeah. Like, what's the, what's the most amount of jobs you've worked at one time? Uh, I think it was just a two. Like I thought you worked three at one point, or three or four at one point. I'm trying to think. Well, I, I know for me, working multiple jobs is tough. And I had once that uh, one of the stations I worked for, this is when they had me do a, a remote on a day that I had a wedding. And I told them I couldn't work this day, and they said I had to work it, and but they, they worked it out so I could pre-record all my shit, get it in, get out. But I had to go to the place because I have to keep up appearances, right? So I got a wedding that I had a wet. Uh, so I DJed the bar the night before. I'm on my way out to Simcoe of all places <laughs> to do a remote at the Simcoe County Fair, and then I got to get back in the car drive to Burlington to Gigs Entertainment to load up my car with the DJ equipment to do a wedding. So this is a busy, busy day. And I remember on my way to Simcoe on one of these county roads, I'm driving my parents' van, okay? Didn't think anything of it. The day went off without a hitch. Everything was fine. Two days later, we get a picture, a report with our license plate, a male with dark hair, large male, they decided to <laughs> take a shot at my weight, a large male with dark hair driving, uh, reckless driving and unattentive driving. And it was a warning that they'd sent my dad because they thought it was him because it was his car. And it was of me that morning because I guess I was weaving or I don't know, but they thought I wasn't driving well. 
And it was because, yeah, I was, I was tired. And I was anxious and in a rush and all that stuff. I remember the worst I ever had it. It was actually, this we can blame this on the booze. Um, just going out doing our usual party business. Going to the radio station there uh, at K-Lite. Uh, getting to a yellow light. Stopping the car when it turned red. Opening my eyes. Closing my eyes and opening them. <laughs> and the light going from yellow to red again. And I'd slept through a light. Oh, my God. And I I am not one to drink and drive. You know that? Yeah. Uh, never drunk, drink and drive. Avoided at all costs. But uh, the next day, drunk can be deceptive. Yeah. So even even if I'm, I'm feeling slightly hungover, if I don't feel like I can drive the next day, I don't. After college. Either, yeah. Um, and this is the problem. So maybe it seemed like I had a lot of jobs at one point because there was a period where I was doing a lot of gig work because I was uh, okay. I was doing sets and stuff. So uh, yeah. both my buddy Nate and I landed jobs at uh, the casino in Niagara Falls. We were recording this uh, these two nights uh, with the piano player Jim Brickman. And uh, oh, Jim, have we done an episode on him yet? <laughs> He's a big name, Jim Brickman. Wow, you never told me this. Yeah. Um, and so I did. It was just two days at the Go casino. His hits. Hold on. I got to figure. Tell your story. I want to get his hits in here. Go ahead. Tell your story. Okay. So he's like a lounge piano player type deal, I think. Well, he wasn't always. Oh, was he? No, Jim Brickman? Am I thinking of the same guy? I don't think so. Oh. American pop. Oh, he's American. I thought he was a Canadian. I think he's from uh, Ohio. Two- Two Grammy. He won a Canadian Country Music Award oh. for something and a Gospel Award. Jim Brickman. Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. He's now a radio host. Yeah. What were his hits? All oh, the discography. Jeez. Uh, well, but he, he qualifies as CanCon. I don't know. Maybe he co-wrote that with somebody. I don't know. But uh, he must have singles. Valentine, what the? By heart, hello, dream. Valentine, the team, your love, Michelle, right? The gift. After after all these years, Valentine, love of my life, destiny, your love. Okay, keep going. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Anyway, so um, we, originally I thought the gig was supposed to last a couple more days because I thought we were supposed to be part of the setup and teardown crew, but we were only part of the kind of day of and then tear down and so i got so lucky i felt so bad for nate so we were both basically camera assistants where basically people be moving their shots the cameramen would be moving the shots and they just be like all right you gotta give me some slack and you gotta tighten up the slack so i'm not tripping over this cable my guy literally moved six feet nate (laughs) poor nate was the um uh, the Steadicam operator's rig. So he's zipping and zowing all over the friggin' theater and they're like, you gotta stay low. This was originally supposed to be my job. They took one look at me, they're like, hell no, you're not doing this. Oh, jeez. Uh, because not only could I not crouch because I was, my knees were shit and I was so fat, but uh, I'm like, I can't like, you know, shrink myself down. Like Nate was the size of a toothpick. He could easily do that. <laughs> um, 
And so I just like I looked over the balcony. I just see poor Nate just like shuffling around and just like crouching. And he Nate carried a backpack with him everywhere because he always brought snacks. I just see him with his little backpack just like running around. Uh, and so I stayed at his house in Fort Erie. And so after like a 12 hour day, like my back was killing me because I literally had to stand perfectly still. Because I couldn't. How long did he perform for? They they recorded like he recorded two sets. So uh, like because okay. one was like a Christmas special, one was a uh, it was called yeah, like yeah just looking at his discography does a lot of Christmas music yeah one was a Christmas special one was called like a beautiful world and the other one was like a beautiful world Christmas or something he does a lot of gospel too and so uh, so he recorded like one on one day. And then one on the other day. And then there was, like, stuff we were doing in between. I can't fully remember all of it. But, like, I my back was so stiff because I literally had to hold the cable and stand still. So, like, my knees would get yeah. tight. Like, my back would get tight. Uh, and then Nate's family had a hot tub. So we're, like, having a nice soak. As, uh, oh, that must have been nice. As... Uh, Jean-Paul Jean-Paul would say it was the soak of the year but uh, <laughs> and so after the second day it was a tear it was a massive teardown just like tons of shit so we were just running up and down carrying lights gear all sorts of stuff so we were both spent and I knew I wasn't going to crash at his house that night but he invited me back for one more soak and then he sent me yeah. on sent me on my way so I didn't leave his house till about almost midnight and this is after working like a 14-hour day, then having a nice hot yeah. a hot tub soak. So I was so tired. And you got to drive, what, an hour? Almost two. Cause it's it's f- an hour drive? It's, it's probably like hour 20 because it's Fort Erie. So it's, I don't uh, know why I said that so loud. Sorry about that. I said that really. <laughs> you got to drive an hour? That's what happens when I let you tell a story. I get so bored of not saying anything that I words come out weird. But I'm... <laughs> So I'm I'm putting on the on the the pat, the, the right hand lane as you should because I'm like I'm getting sleepy and I, I feel yeah. myself starting to kind of like slide a little bit and I'm like oh shit I'm gonna go in the the friggin' I'm gonna go in the ditch. ditch and so I open my windows try to let some cool air in whatever I could <sighs> and then out of nowhere I see a cop sirens go on and I'm like I'm literally about to fall asleep at the wheel. And I see the, woo, and then I'm just like, that friggin' shot like adrenaline through my heart. Because he didn't even pull me yeah. over. He just got a call at the last second. So he's bombing it down oh, the other wow. side. So I thought he was pulling me over for swerving or something. But no, he just goes, Jeez. boom. And then so that just get, that gave me the adrenaline for the rest of the ride home. But I can't. I'll do it. I came home and just crashed. But I was able to get home. So yeah, if you work a long uh, shift like that, drive carefully. <laughs> Love of God. Please do. Please do. Yeah. Oi. All right. Well, we've been doing this. We didn't even, like, have any rhyme or reason to this. It was just spouting off stories. Uh, one more favorite of yours is you and me are working at Mind Games. <laughs> and th- what happened at, at some point, I'm not sure if it was the provincial government. I believe it was the provincial government uh, introduced a rule that's still in place today where to encourage people to bring reusable bags, they'll ding you about a nickel for a plastic bag. <laughs> That's it. It's five cents. Yeah. Okay? Uh, so we're working at Mind Games. We used to sell this seat belt belt where it was like, it looked like a seat belt, like a lap belt in your car, and it was kind of looked like rainbow suspenders. It was like rainbow colored. Yeah. And you'd clip it in at the front, and it was like a seat belt. And... 
this big old guy was gonna buy it. It's something you saw, you saw you like young women wear, but he, he wanted to buy it and was like, all right, teach their own, right? Yeah. And he had made his purchase, and then I asked him, "Do you want a bag? It's five cents." Like. Not even thinking, and I don't know why we were both behind the counter. It's never two people behind the counter, but you and I were bad employees. <laughs> so both of us behind the counter. And he threw a fit. He was like, five cents. No, no, I'm not paying five cents. How dare you ask me that? And we're like, it's, it's, it's the law. You have to. He goes, well, why'd you get in the horn with your board makes this law? And I'm like, it's the provincial government that makes this law. And then you got in his face and you're like, you don't have to yell at us, sir. We're just selling you this stupid belt. And he goes, you know what you can do with your purchase? Shove it. And he gives us the belt back and he's like, he just given us the belt. He goes, "No, I want my money back." We gave his money back, and I was like, I, "I probably would have just given him the bag." Yeah, I was. I think if memory serves, Had I was he like, just if said, I'm... "Ah, come on," or something like that. And he'd been a nicer person. Yeah, but like, he, he was fine at the beginning, and then the second we asked him for five cents for the bag, Jesus, he lost control. The uh, yeah, I think I was like literally two seconds away. Like, all right, you big baby, I got a nickel in my pocket. Here's your fucking five cents for the bag. <laughs> when else have you? Get, oh, the other time. Oh, this is kind of musical too. This is another good mind <laughs> game story. Um, this these this couple comes in and they 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 wanted to buy. A I know where you're going set. with this, and I know you're gonna mis- yeah. tell this story. Well, you can you can fix this story when I'm done telling it. Fine. They wanted to buy a magic set, so I took them and I showed them where we kept the magic sets. And ah, yeah, it comes with a little stupid plastic top hat, <laughs> and you get a little wand with it. There's no rabbit. No, no rabbit comes with it, right? So they go to pay, and the lady's like. You are so helpful. The other gentleman who works here is so rude. He's like, like which one? I was like, oh, it's the tall one. I'm like, oh, I know exactly who he's talking about. Like, really? And the woman's like, yes, I came in here the other day and asked him the same thing. And all he did was ignore me. And we was doing that thing. And what was that thing he did, sweetie? And the husband goes, he was playing air bass. <laughs> she goes, that's right, air bass. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. The second these people left, I called you because you were at the Burlington store to tell you all about how funny I thought it was. Now, why were you so rude to these people okay. and so consumed by your air base? And two, how did I get the story wrong? So here's how it went down. I was behind the counter, as usual, not doing anything. Um, and But whatever song I was playing, it was... I was rocking some airbase. I do not deny the airbase. So I was like, and the lady comes. Were you, up. were you playing with a pick? Were you playing with the fingers? Were you slapping the bass? What were you doing? Uh, it's probably. What? I mean, if the guy could probably tell I was playing an airbase, it was probably fingers. Oh, okay. Because gotcha. like, if like if I was just strumming, he couldn't tell if I was being an ass bassist or just playing a guitar. Um, there are different ways to, to, to air bass, you know, uh, there what, are different hold ways one to do finger it. up and just pick. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's... No, I've done the... Dude, I've done it where you hold it low and you do the... Like, you have to make the little thing there. Like, have a pick. Yeah, I've done that before. Anyway, so the lady comes into my store. And, I, you know, at the time, I think I let them kind of walk around. Because usually I'll say hello. I'll say, if you have any questions, let me know. And then um, I think maybe the person caught me mid-air base. And they're like, where are your magic sets? So I stopped the air base. And then I, I walk them over to the bloody things, the magic sets. I'm like, here they are. And they're like, what can you tell me about this? I'm, I'm like, and, I, and, I, and this is a much nicer tone. But I was like, look, lady, I don't do magic. I'm like, yeah, just read the fucking box. <laughs> like, but in, in a much nicer way, I was like, I, I'm sorry. I, I, magic is not my hobby. I can't tell you much about them. But uh Here's what they are, here's what they offer, and here's what, like, what they include kind of thing. I basically did nothing that different from you, except maybe I was air-basing it up, or maybe I had a bit of tone. I don't know, but he's definitely overreacting. Mm. I do remember doing that with some people. They'd ask me about something. If, if I didn't know the answer to it, I'd literally just pick up the box and read it to them. Oh, I did that all the time. And, and usually it worked. Do you know what I was the king of when I worked at Chapters? Um, yeah. People would go up because I read very specific books. I would read like you know sports biographies, music biographies, and the occasional fiction. So anything outside of that, I was so out of my elements. So I'd walk someone to the section, and they're like, "What can you tell me about this?" I was like, uh, this, this, uh, "Let me just uh, get a colleague on the line because we were you know certain people who were big readers were would come and give you their advice." And then I was basically the just the the big king of the pass off. I'd like I basically like just walk away. Oh, I yeah. like ghost and let them freaking deal with it. And I would just go into one of the alcoves and just sit there and listen. <laughs> the pass off's the greatest thing. If you don't work commission. Yeah, obviously, yeah. If I was then you then you 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 know what? You can you can probably tuck someone into a split sale with you. But uh yeah, oh commission jobs are the worst. I I can't do them. I am physically unable. I can work retail if it's not commission because I don't care if they if I sell it or not. Yeah, I'm just nice and friendly and talking to people. The second you're telling me make this sailor starve, yeah, I'm done. That's when you turn. I can't do it. That's when you turn into old Gil from The Simpsons. Oh, please, I gotta make a sale. Oh <laughs> God, I swear for those nine months that I was out of radio a few years ago, I was old Gil from The Simpsons. <laughs> Or Jack Lemon from Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, geez, would you help me with this here? Oh, my daughter's in the hospital. She can really <laughs> use a new kidney. Oh. That's what I was like. Because it, it's, it's, it's such horrible, horrible, horrible stress. And <laughs> you curse the world in the shower in the morning before you go into work because yeah. you know you're going to just have a day of stress ahead of you. It's terrible. I remember working. God, so they tried to help us with our sales when I worked for the newspaper in town. Um, and that's tough. Selling ads for a newspaper in this day and age is not easy. And so they have these seminars where you're going to sell these packages to these clients, right? And they really want to focus on clients who didn't normally buy ads in the paper, but they were still assigned to you. Fortunately, I had a lot of those. Um, so... Uh, I remember I had to call up people and ask them if they wanted to attend this seminar about this sales deal that they would get if they went with it. And I didn't end up closing a single one. Oh, wow. Awful. Yeah. Um, I had a bunch of them come to the seminar. But at the seminar, 
no one would do it. You know, I got a couple of, yeah, we'll do it later. You know, I'm, I'm, I remember one person, they totally misunderstood it and they said that they would do it. And so I was on the board and I felt great. And then when I met with them later, oh, yeah, my math was off. We can't do that. I had one guy, he, he said, come visit me on Monday and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I want to do it. So I went out about 30 minutes out of town, his, his, his business went out there, wouldn't see me, like yelled at me when I showed up. And he was like, uh, yes, I've decided I don't want to do it. You may order food for me if that is what you want to do. That is your right. But I do not want to buy this anymore. And he stormed out of there. And I'm like, drove a half hour out here. I stole the food and like sat there by myself and eating it, like trying to be like, hey, no big deal, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you should have been like, you can't show you're mad. You can't show you're mad. You should have been like, you're food is shit and you're getting a terrible Google review. Actually, it, it really wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, you should, but, you should uh, blow the spot up. No, I'm not going to do that. That's, uh, that, that's, that's uh, criminal, Brian. No, not literally. Um, I mean, like, blow it up like, <laughs> like, Tell people on the podcast. Why, you screwed me on an advertising deal? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, do it. <laughs> but the worst thing was when people rejected your invitation to go to this thing. Uh, I had one guy over the phone tell me, call someone who cares. <laughs> that was number three. The second best one was when I went to hand it to the guy. I brought like the, we had this older woman who did sales for us she was the nicest lady everybody loved her and i brought her because this was like this like automotive shop and she knew the guy like there's no way she he can get mad at me with her there that's how i thought because i was a little intimidated by some of the workplaces right right? so she came in with me and she talked to the guy so i gave him the card like uh yeah you know we'd love to have you you know this is this he looked at it and goes you know what i don't think so and he Chucked the card back at me. What like he was asshole. throwing a frisbee at me. Like, nah! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I had to get her to tell people and the, the other salespeople the story because they didn't believe me either. Yeah, I... And then the third people, I had called and I got, like, the reception. and But the reception's like, you know what? I'll tell them about it. Uh, book them a spot. If they can't go, I'll call you and let you know. What I didn't realize was this... Um, group they brought in to organize the seminar wanted to make it classy so they opened it up as an event bright um event do you know what event bright is yeah yeah you can buy tickets through event bright and they'd send people tickets to this event so these people had these tickets from us and thought that like we had charged them for them so they got my number and called me at home. Oh, my God. Screaming at me. How dare you charge us? How dare you charge us for these? You're not charged anything. We got an email saying you've charged us tickets to the seminar. We are not going to the seminar. I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to. The tickets are free. You don't have to go. You're not. It's not costing you anything. We're never <laughs> buying ads with you again. I'm like, you weren't buying ads in the first place. I was trying to get you to buy some ads. That's what I said to the tickets. Oh my god. It was terrible. It was terrible. It feels so rejected and so down at the end of the day. Some people are great at sales. Some of the old guys I would work with at that job, especially when I left, I remember when I left, I had to take all the other salespeople around and introduce them to their new clients because they split up my clients to all the other people. And the one guy sitting there, he's like tapping on his leg. So as I'm introducing the guy, 
But he's like not listening to me. He's not listening to the other guy. He's just looking around the office. <laughs> Definitely looking around the office. I'm like, all right, this is strange. And then before he left, he brought up five things that he just saw around the office. He knew who this guy was. Got in his head. The guy was we're talking like they're best friends by the end of the. Meeting. Wow. He just looked around. All right. Uh, there's a picture of this guy fishing. Boom. We can talk about fishing. Uh, what else does he have? Oh, he needs, he's got a boat. Good. He likes boats. I like boats. Boom. We got that in common, too. And uh, oh, he's got kids. I got three kids. Perfect. He had it down. Best friends by the end of it. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah. Some of these people have it down to an art, and I just don't. Yeah. There's uh, some people have it. Like, I can be social, and I can be outgoing, but, like, not like this. I just, I can't. I'm not that bulldog, like, type A. Like, I don't, uh, I don't, I dated a girl who was a real estate agent. And, yeah, that's not easy. And that's, you know, our buddy Brandon's parent, uh, mom was a real estate agent. She was perfect for that because yeah. she had the, you know, the mix of bulldog and, like, charm. And yeah. type, you got to be, like, this type A person. Uh, if you ever if you ever listen to this one crazy comedian named Tim Dillon, he used to sell mortgages and he would tell stories about people who would like get super like coked up and just like charge into meetings like, what's the matter with you, you fucking loser? Because so like, like, this is in like uh, Long Island, so it's just like just these Long Island like bulldogs, like just lunatics that would just like crush the mortgage game while Tim's trying to like sell like one mortgage and just shitty at it. And these people are like, yeah. it's like the Glenn Gary leads basically. Um, but uh, what was your, what was your uh, like favorite, just uh, before you started your career, what was your favorite just slap dick do nothing job? Oh yeah, that was, that was easy. Well, I liked, uh, I liked mind games a lot just because for a period when it was literally, there was four people who worked there during this period. It was me and Brian and another guy named Ted and another guy named Brian. You had never seen anything like it before. Four guys, two names between them. Uh, I liked that because we just got to listen to our music all day and really do nothing. So that period was fun, but not the whole experience. Um, I worked at the party store in high school. That was probably like the greatest gig ever because I was coming from my first ever job, which was uh, a dishwasher. And it was a different type of thing, too. So I, I had to do it was a deli and they did a big breakfast rush on the weekends. And I had to, whereas at other restaurant jobs where I'd have to work dish, the servers would bring you the dirty dishes when they clear off the tables. Here, they just throw them in these bus bins that were at the front of the store. And so I had to go get them and bring them in to wash. And it would take me forever. And they'd get mad at me sometimes for being slow. And I'd never done this before. Um, I remember working that job, too, because the old guy who trained me was this old Italian cat named Giuseppe. And the first time I ever met this guy, he had an aerosol can and a steak knife. <laughs> I think he was trying to get the lid off the aerosol can. So he's stabbing it with a steak knife. He's like, stupid motherfucker. <laughs> and then he told me that if, when he is mayor, not if he's mayor, when he's mayor of uh, Hamilton, uh, anybody who does not fold up their cardboard will be arrested. <laughs> The only thing I that I'm picturing, because I remember when you first told me this story, I'm just picturing, because yeah. I know we couldn't smoke in restaurants at that time, but the only thing that this guy was literally missing was a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> 
but they would uh, I would get I would get so mad at that job just because it was nonstop work nonstop stress yeah you're in the back my only friend was Edge 102 because I was allowed to have the radio on I put it on the edge uh, I, actually the first time I ever heard a Louis C.K. joke was when I was in the back yeah. the edge you played a Louis C.K. routine and uh I was in the back working away, just losing my mind, trying to cut potatoes in between uh, washing dishes, which I never had time to do. Yeah. And uh, so, and I was depressed. I was at the lowest of the low. I would get mad at the people in the restaurant. How dare you come and eat here? Don't you know there's other places you can eat? <laughs> you gotta come here and make my life miserable. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, it's not healthy when you're having these thoughts. You'd see someone smiling. How'd you like me to throw this entire bit of dishes on you? Won't still be smiling now, would you? What the fuck are you, you smiling know, like, at? These are, these are psychotic thoughts. I, 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 I <laughs> wouldn't wish upon anyone. But when I left there, so that was the worst job I had, I got my first taste of retail. And when you're working retail with like other kids your age and you're just in high school... And you're really got an outgoing, positive personality like myself. Uh, you're kind of a cut above everyone. And we were just selling Halloween costumes. It was an easy thing to sell. Yeah. So I was just happy and jovial to everyone. Sometimes they'd make me put on the freaking scream mask that had blood in it. And I'd stand at the front door wearing that and scare the hell out of children. That, <laughs> that always made me sad. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd do whatever they'd ask me to do. I had fun doing it. That was a great gig. Uh, they only kept on three of us part-timers after Christmas, and I was one of them. So that was great. Uh, I do. I think the funniest story I had with that job was we had this like really cool 80s Michael Keaton Batman mask. Okay. It looked like his mask from the movie. Right. And this group of fellas, um, their leader was in a long leather trench coat. (laughs) They all had dyed hair, anime shirts. Oh, God. Uh, like it was kind of funny. Like the rest of them kind of wore like the same uniform, like the trench coat with like dyed hair, and, you know. Except for the one really like kind of looked like you. So he had dark hair and a very high pitched voice. He was wearing the Captain <laughs> Underpants look of the superhero shirt tucked into the track pants. Ugh. But the rest of them had like the same uniform on. But he was kind of an outlier. Someone tell and the Lost Boys to kick rocks. The leader of them asked to try on the Batman mask. So I brought on the Batman mask. And this guy, the outlier, kept going, You might be able to try on the Batman mask, but he's not Batman. I'm Batman. Don't you remember, guys? I'm Batman. <laughs> Just because he's a mask doesn't make him Batman. I'm Batman. And the guy tried it on, and he liked it, but it was a little bit too big for him. This fucking guy wouldn't shut up about how he is, in fact, Batman. And that the mask does not make his friend Batman. He is Batman. So I said, do you want to try on the mask? <laughs> He's like, no, it's okay. I'm already Batman. I don't need it. Man, you showed so much. I don't know what had happened there. <laughs> you showed so much restraint. If I was in your shoes, I would have been like, how do you have friends? Like, what is wrong with you? Oh, boy. I remember being amazed once. and But it was, it was intimidating at first. So there was a... Uh, this I mean, it's, it was the stress of the holidays, you know, holiday shopping's tough. Yeah. Um, but the woman came in and she was hearing impaired, and her daughter, who was like six, would translate the sign language, right? And so it was amazing because I come up and they tap me on the shoulder, turn around, <laughs> like really intense sign language, <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> it scared me. And then the daughter's just 
right on point with her mom reciting everything she's signing to me. And I was like, well, you're amazing. You can do all that. But I guess, you know, if it's around you the whole time, yeah. you, you can do it. But, uh, yeah, no, I help them out and stuff like that. But, uh, yes, that job. Let, uh, let's celebrate. I can say it because it's no longer in business. Apparently, they're a little bit crooked. They got in, got the shit, got out. You know, like a lot oh, yeah, of like, like mind know, games. holiday operations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had so much fun working that job. That was the best job. And we got to listen to these, these like, cool Halloween songs that they play on loop. So, like, we had uh, try to look up the Zombie Jamboree by Rockapella. <laughs> you will be singing that in your sleep tonight. That's a great song. Play some of it, Brian. It was a zombie jamboree, took place in the New York cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree, took place in the New York cemetery. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had this other song. It was Brian I mean, it's Setzer. No- we had this Brian no, Setzer song. Uh, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? That but is it's- an all-time <laughs> classic. That's one of the best theme songs ever written. I know. There you go. But uh, we, had this Brian, we had this Brian Setzer one, too, that we'd play called My Son the Vampire. And he's like, all he does is drink your blood because he don't like ginger ale. And I was like, you know, there's other shit you can drink besides ginger ale that's not human <laughs> blood. Yeah, that was a good one they played. But they'd also play, like, uh, Season of the Witch. And uh, it was a cool little mix they played at Halloween. So I enjoyed that, too. Yeah, it was nice. good times. Yeah. Mine, Chapters was probably pretty fun. Because actually, uh, you know, I got exposed to some music that I grew to enjoy. Like, uh, Keen. I first heard Keen at, at Chapters, the British band. Uh, I first got introduced to Jack Johnson there. Mr. Laidback, I think I think I said that if I ever meet Jack Johnson, and in all due respect to him, first thing I'm going to do is kick him in the shins, just to see if he can in fact get mad, because I don't believe he can actually get mad. He's always so laid back and chill. I don't think that anger is in his system. I think if he kicked him in the shins, oh my goodness, that hurt. What you gonna do that for? Can you imagine if uh, when when concerts are back full swing, like everyone, you know, full capacity, everything, there's like news next year, Jack Johnson arrested for jumping into the crowds and fighting a fan because like some guy got too rowdy or something. <laughs> the pandemic changed him. <laughs> he, just, he just turned into this mountain man living out away from his family, just out, out on the, like, the hilltops of the volcanoes of Hawaii. Just turning into a... Uh, what's his face? Alan Moore type with the straggly hair and the beard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my chapters was great. But uh, I mean, I I did enjoy the movie theater just because you know a couple of our friends worked there to too work at different times. So. Yeah. Um, and also free movies. The uh, that was the worst for me, by the way. Was when you guys all, you and Campbell and Brandon, you all worked there together. I felt so left out. You know, I, I was always, who the fuck is this guy when you'd bring me to Silver City to see a movie? I always felt left out. And you guys were my best friends. You know, Tom eventually worked there too. You know, and all of my friends worked in the movie theater. And I always felt so left out. I don't know why they didn't hire me. I got a job interview. The ladies just didn't want to hire me. 
it's because you know why i'll tell you you got a job you got an interview with wendy that's who i got an interview with my first time and i didn't get it she was a nutcase she was the oh. worst uh yeah i'm to uh, just work with my friends me and <laughs> me and campbell on thursday night they did a the you had to when back when they had film prints because you know different theaters had different amounts of seats so what you yeah. had to do was when they had film prints you had to move them to you know this is the opening night for whatever matrix revolutions it's going to be big you got to put it in like theater five or six so there'd be a, an outline for where you got to put these film prints and then there's a couple of theaters that were like i think less than 200 people and they were like these are movies that are on their way out and so me and mike had to move this film print for a movie called without a paddle i think it was that crappy like yeah seth Dak green shepherd and Dak seth shepherd. green and uh who was the third yet? Matthew Lillard. Right. Yeah. And so because Campbell and I have such an awkward height difference, what you're supposed to do, so you take the, the scoop thing, it's like this little plastic board, you slide it under the print, and you're supposed to like put this A-frame under the scoop and like screw it in place, and then you can either, like because it had wheels, you can either wheel it or just carry it that way with your partner. And so Mike's like, we don't need to do this. You just hold it in place with your thumbs. I'll hold it in place with my thumbs, and <laughs> it will be in, uh, done and done. So we do it. We're walking, and I'm he. Sh- he should have been the facing the other way, but I'm backing. I'm walking backwards. I bump something with my elbow. The whole the whole print slides off, and so and this movie was maybe maybe ninety minutes hour 45 yeah this film this film print could have ran like back and like it probably could have wrapped around the theater once like oh, wow. is people don't appreciate how many like how long a film print actually is like a lord of the rings one was probably like 50 pounds maybe even more them the lord of the rings ones uh i never did but some people did we had to change a mid-movie right uh no, they were able to fit on one reel. There was a oh, different okay. movie that had to that fit on a different reel, but I can't remember what it was. But yeah, no, it was was it was literally by the I think it was uh, Return of the King. It was at the very edge. They they almost didn't have any more space of the the drum, like the the reel, like the spinning thing that it sat on. But so. Me and Campbell bump this thing, it slides off. It's almost like we're watching it in slow motion. The print lands, and then, like, at first we thought it was just gonna land flat, and we're like, oh, but it lands on an angle. So, like, the center, like, shoots through the middle of the film. Yeah. So, like, all the, it all starts to get tangled like a bird's nest. And we're like, oh, fuck. Like, we're looking at this thing, like, and they're like, should we touch it? Should we try to do something? Campbell's like, don't be a fool. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we called our bosses. We're like, we had an accident moving this print. Well, they're like, well, at least it's without a paddle. It's not something that's like, you know, it's not an opening night movie or something. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. They're like, just go home. You know, we'll figure it out. And so we had this handyman who would just go like, he would change marquees, put up like a uh, little standy promotional stuff. Do yeah. odds and ends, odd jobs. I think he was a postman by day, but at night he would like double as our like ha- resident handyman. Oh, His cool. name was John John Pringle, and he had a daughter named Sarah who came up and reamed me and Mike the next day. <laughs> She's like, "Thanks to you, idiots! My dad was at that place till four in the morning." Four in the morning fixing your mess. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! You guys deserved but, every bit of that tongue lashing you got. 
The that job was Campbell fun. for suggesting something stupid, and you for listening to him. <laughs> that job was fun. Let me tell you fun. something. Let me tell you. I tell you this story with him, with Campbell. It's, it's not going to okay. be a show without dissing Campbell a little bit. Yeah, he doesn't listen. Um, in fact, when I asked him, "Hey, do you want to listen to the podcast early?" he said, "Hard pass." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, we were at we had this big get together with all of our friends and all their significant others, and Brandon and Campbell, two of our friends who have kids, they had their kids there. And uh, my wife, Bryn, was holding Campbell's son. And then she handed his son back to him. And for whatever reason, I spaced out and <laughs> forgot that he had had a baby. Oh, yeah. And so I said in front of him, Bryn, what are you doing giving a baby to Mike? And then everyone looked. It's his son. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna remind Mike of that. So when you bring your kid down in, a, in several months, he'll he'll turn that turn that burn on you. Oh, I'm sure he's already um, planning on chirping me good. Yeah. My, I'll tell you my last tale of the movies, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, I gotta, I'm, 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 let me try to think of one more story to go out on here. All right. Uh, so let's see. Well, I'll tell mine while you're pondering, but uh, so. Whenever we, and also keep this in mind, if you ever go to, now that movie theaters are going to be opening up by the time this airs, um, think about this when you sit down on the seats. So you get a bunch of teenagers that don't give a shit about cleaning it. They, cause they're like, especially during busy nights, it would literally be our bosses would just be like, sweep it under the seats, you know, pick up the big stuff. Let's go, let's go, let's go kind of thing. So we're literally just like sweeping it, trying to make it look presentable, this and that. But on Saturday matinees, when there's a lot of kids movies, it was, um, you know, tons of men, a million kids booster seats. They are these big honking plastic things about like three inches tall, probably maybe if even four. Yeah, yeah. And so like we had no regard. So whenever we had, uh, trays that people were carrying their popcorn on or the booster seats. We would just wing them down to the front be like, someone pick those up. And so we had this kid named Andrew who was like, he was a, not, he wasn't a midget. He was maybe five one. He was very short. I prefer little people. Little people, whatever. Um, but he had these big chubby cheeks and these, this big gap tooth. He looked like a cartoon, like something you'd see in a movie. Uh, and so he was just also whenever he came in for a screening like uh, on our off hours he wore this big stupid Indiana Jones hat I thought it was hilarious but uh, <laughs> anyway so Andrew comes around the corner okay. not paying attention and somebody just winged up with one of these big boosters <laughs> he just took it in the temple and just like got like oh uh, oh my god and then I one day I hit my supervisor like he was like my age it's not like I'm hitting some like uh, oh okay uh, but also we say hey you meant like it was an accident you didn't no no I uh, no, no, I, I didn't finish I had a bag of popcorn that I whipped at him as a joke because oh, okay. we were just like whipping shit at people because this is what you get when you get a bunch of teenagers not giving a shit so I, I pugged, pegged him in the face with the popcorn bag and then Mike, being the lackey that he was, this guy tells him, he's like, Mike, sick him. So Mike starts chasing me around the theater. And then he jumps on my back. And I'm trying to, I'm like Kong trying to throw him off. 
And then so again, <laughs> might as well we started the movie uh, this the movie we started the podcast with Brian's knee injuries. We might as well bookend. So I go to flip yeah. flip Mike over my shoulder. My knee goes out. I drop like a sack of hammers. <laughs> and this is how this is how cunty this place was. They wouldn't send me home. They're like, Brian, can you stay and and do podium, which is ripping tickets? So I got to stand there on a bum knee ripping tickets in incredible pain. Oh my god. Jeez. At least they had a job where you could get a stool. They give you a stool? No, just like the security guard on Seinfeld, no stool. Uh, no stool. Jeez. I do remember my, when I first started working at uh, uh, Let's Celebrate, they, there was a stool that was just there, and I just sat down. <laughs> Look, I can do this job sitting down. Because they don't tell you what to do. They just say, take care of this aisle. And they just want you to stand in the aisle when someone comes up. To get a costume, you go and get it for for from the back. So I just sat there, like, eh, the people are like, "Are you should you be out there working?" Like, they'll come to me. And sure enough, for like the entire four hour shift, people came to me with their, you know, "Can you get me this costume?" I went and grabbed it, gave it to them. Everything was good. I had everything in a running like a fine tooth comb. And then the next day, I came in, and the stool was gone. <laughs> You're making yeah, it seem like it's a long loss of love. You're like, me and the stool, we're no more. <laughs> it was. It was depressing. I remember you talking about stories. I remember there was a guy there who, this guy had lived a hell of a life, right? Like, um, and he had some cool stories. But as he's telling you stories, like he told me a story. He was raised in Saudi Arabia. And he was telling us this story about how he saw a kimono dragon. In the wild. And it was intense. Right? So we're hanging on his every word. And uh, and then later, and I hear him telling the story. It's a really intense story. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this guy can tell a good yarn. Right? <laughs> and then he had mentioned offhand that uh, he got robbed at, at this at the uh, like a lottery ticket job that he had worked at. I was like, oh, my God. Tell me that story. And he goes, guy came in, asked for the money, I gave it to him. I was like, oh, wow, what a wiener. Okay. And then, like, he would tell me, like, this really interesting, intricate story about his, uh, like, uh, like, like his ex-girlfriend or something like that, trying to coerce him to cheat on his girlfriend. He wouldn't do it. And a lot of detail, good story, right? And I'm like, all right, he's got it. it must just... And then he mentioned about how, when he lived in Saudi Arabia, he saw his friend get his face blown off Jesus. by a American soldier. And uh, I asked him, I was like, oh, my God, tell me that story. And he was like, open the door of the shop. <laughs> like, yeah, you're really hot and cold. What? Really hot and cold with these stories, Charlie. <laughs> these stories to be as epic as your ex-girlfriend. These stories that involved that. But, of course, now that I'm looking back, I'm criticizing the guys. They're probably traumatic times. Yeah. You probably didn't want to talk about it. And here I am being a dick criticizing his storytelling. That's like uh, that's like my dad. My dad is so hot and cold with storytelling. He can either go into this great elaborate detail and it's quite the yarn, yeah. or he's just like, "Yeah, I met so and so at a party." It's like what? It's like <laughs> I remember my mom getting mad at my dad because I was trying to get my dad to because my dad's a good storyteller. And I was trying to get my, my dad to tell some kind of story that he had told me. And he just wasn't into it when he was trying to tell my mom the story. And so my mom yelled, Steve, can't you see? 
He's trying to get you to tell the story? Not sidestep it? He respects your storytelling. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, in that case. And then he made a giant production. (laughs) Well, I mean, eventually, uh, you know, we like to make fun of Ted because he lives too much in the past and in his stories. Like another another Ted that Ted hates me bring it up. One Theodore Mosby. But eventually, your kids will... Why? Just because I don't get your goat. That's just stupid to even bring out. I don't even watch the... Does he live in the past? Does he tell a lot of stories? Doesn't seem like... You know what? Okay, here's the a whole show. I want to throw this him living there. in the past. Let me throw up my theory. Okay. okay. I was having a conversation with my brother. And we were talking about leading man qualities. And how important that is when you're casting a show. Okay. And I told my brother, I would bet... Same bullshit script, same everything. If they had flipped Radner and Jason Siegel, so you know Siegel now plays Ted Mosby. Josh Radner goes plays Marshall, whatever the fuck his name Erickson. is. Whatever. <laughs> Be a much more successful show because Jason Siegel has likable leading man qualities, whereas Josh Radner does not. And I said, put it this way: The Office. Okay. Imagine if it was B.J. Novak playing all those pranks on Dwight and not John Krasinski. The show wouldn't have lasted a season because Krasinski can get away with it because he's got leading man qualities. Seems like a wiener in the office, but... uh... That's my point here. Okay, that's Not only was the character really just a bad guy and not likable, but Josh Ryan's face, he's not a leading man. But the other thing, too, is, well, Jason Segel can... uh tiptoe in both worlds because you can do the leading man thing but he's also the likable best friend and that's what he is in How I Met Your Mother uh, what I'm saying is yes but when you have an actor who has leading man qualities an actor who doesn't don't put the one who does into the lead role also Josh Radner uh, you know Marshall's supposed to be somewhat a voice of uh, you know reason rationale when the other guy's making all these stupid decisions Josh Radner doesn't strike me as that type of person. Like, you know, he's always like this very, like, whatever. But he, he doesn't think, he never thinks anything through. That's the whole bit why every date and everything blows up in his face. Because he never thinks anything through. And he always just, uh... I mean, he's not, what I'm trying to say is, though, he's not a likable character. And I'm not going to watch a show with a main character that I don't like. He never watched it anyway. I did the first run. Before, once it got put on syndication and they started playing it, that's when I started not liking it. But I used to watch it every week. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. All right, easy. But anyway, my whole point was eventually your kids will come and ask you to tell some yarns of yesteryear. Oh, yeah. Either that or they're going to avoid it like the plague. They're like, oh, God, Dad's going to tell a story. (laughs) My kids, are, it's going to be like, in. I remember in Lincoln when uh, they're sitting around during the Civil War and uh, uh, Abe Lincoln's about to tell a story. He's like, that reminds me of this story. And then that one guy in the background goes, God damn it! I can't take another one of his stories! <laughs> Starts out of the room. That's what's going to be with my kids all the time. Yeah, you're, Every time I got Yours is going to be at dinners uh, where you're all sitting around the table together because you're just going to hold court... And basically, and hold them hostage. Like, hey, hey, hey! I didn't say you can go do your homework. Park it. It's like, does this story come with an intermission? It's eight (laughs) o'clock. We've been sitting here for two hours. I love a good yarn. 
and yet you can't crochet. But my my wife tried to teach me it. Wasn't very good. Probably because you got those stubby, do nothing fingers. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Only fit for trumpet playing. Yeah. Uh, um, got anything else? I mean, I'm sure I could pull a few, but I mean, we've been going an hour fifty <laughs> on these tall tales. Jesus. Well, time flies when you're having yeah. fun. Well, we hoped. We hope we helped you kill two hours, whatever you're doing, stuck in traffic, going to the bank, whatever whatever uh, menial job you had to do, walking the dog. Hopefully it filled some time and made you think of your past jobs, fun or terrible that they may be. You know, a lot of other podcasts will say, mention your jobs in the comments. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what job you worked. Tell it on your own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a nice attitude, Ted. It's it's hard. I do want to do. I, it's, can I do a shout what out? What a shock that you didn't work well in sales. No, you know me, a Mister Nice, friendly guy, over the top, and everything. No, no, like it's, <laughs> the hard part about sales was getting people to do something they didn't want to do. No, the other, which was part with their well, money. You've gotten. Uh, oh, you know what? Damn it, okay. I was about to I get in a zinger in here. Oh, sorry. I, I had I had one more story. Hold on. Before you tell that story, let me let me get this in. You should have been great at sales because you're always getting people to do things they don't want to do. You've got women to have sex with. <laughs> First of all, uh, well, like three hundred. Hello, hello. <laughs> Jeez, do your math, Brian. Jeez. Um. Why? <laughs> Why? I'll cut um, the number out. Alright. <laughs> uh, yeah. This, anyway. Tell your fucking story. <laughs> it's not gonna compare to that. Leave the number in, I don't give a shit. It's not it's not, not the married, quantity. Uh, yeah, it's not the quality, it's the quantity. And you love your <laughs> wife, so she's a quality gal. Uh, what I was gonna say was, um, uh, yeah, so when I worked at that furniture store, they had all of these uh, things in place so that when you make a s- sale, it sticks or you at least get some money. Um, and it's kind of a ripoff. Uh, so basically, these people got all these custom bar stools made, this family. And whatever, they made them all wrong. So they were mad and they wanted to get them back. But we tell people when you get a custom order, there is a restocking fee if you want to return it because they have to then sell it. And if you come up with something ridiculous, they need to be able to justify selling it. So there's a restocking fee. So these people were pissed about the restocking fee. And in the middle of the shift, one by one, and I, I, you know, I see the guy in my neighborhood. I, he looks like an old blues man. <laughs> he wears a little fedora. He wears like this plaid shirt. He looks like he's gonna bust out a harmonica solo any second. He starts bringing in these chairs along with these other senior citizens, and they just start piling up all of these chairs right in the front where people are paying for their furniture in the middle of the shift. So the salesman goes to try to calm them down because they're mad and they're bringing in like 20 chairs 
uh, to explain to them that they had to move them and they couldn't do this here. There's a way to do it and everything like that. So Blues Man goes, You wake up every morning with the goal of ripping off seniors. <laughs> the guy goes, No, I don't. And he goes, Yes, you do. Man up, man. Man up. Jesus. And I thought that was intense. Someone's got a case of the bad chair blues. Intense. They got the... The funny thing was, they didn't make them cart the chairs out, because I think they just left. They're like, good luck trying to charge me for this, right? Uh, they they got the stock uh, the stockroom guys to bring the chairs back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they got their revenge on the store. They probably still had to play pay the restocking. Yeah, they probably had, like, a credit card on file or something that got charged. Yeah. Like, and you know what? For all the crap that this uh, store did, um, I think a restocking fee is totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I understand that. Yeah. But still, old blues man carting in a bunch of bar stools. Oh, it didn't really make for the best closing story, didn't it? It was funnier <laughs> Had to be there. Really took the wind out of this one, eh, Jessup? <laughs> All that hot air just ran out, and the sales are down. You know, people have been appreciating our shoutouts. Um, on Instagram, I noticed this one girl likes every post we do. Do you know who's Tanuki Vicky? Do you know who she is? No. Is she a friend yeah. of yours? I don't know who she is either. She likes all of our stuff. Tanuki Vicky. Hold on, I think I'm saying it right. Like tune Vicky, tattoo Vicky, something. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So it's like she's an artist. Yeah, she likes all of our stuff, and I couldn't appreciate it anymore. So I want to give her a shout out, and I want to give her the correct pronunciation. Yeah, Tanuki Vicky, Vicky Janelle. Thank you. We appreciate you as being a good fan of the show. Yeah. How about instead of liking, why don't you share? Sharing is caring. <laughs> hey, one step at a time here. Like, hopefully she listens and hear this. And, uh, yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. Look at you just getting rotten here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Telling me I don't care about their comments. You criticizing people for sharing. We're turning into those people. Let's not be that. Let's be the grateful, appreciative podcast hosts who appreciate every fan we've got, which we, which I do. Obviously, I do, too. But what's well, funny, the reason... It's a very low number right now, so it's easier and much easier the to The reason tell. why you don't care about the comment section is because it's people talking about themselves, not about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always you'll see those like big things. Let us know in the comment section. And then I know from being on the air radio, when people say, hey, let us know on Facebook, what was the name of your first pet? We don't sit there and read every frickin' name. Oh, Socks. Uh, Gilbert. Hey, look at... Uh, Bowser. This, you know, we don't sit there and list them off. Look at this gem. Paws Skeggs. <laughs> now, you know what? If I think I read that in the comment section, I would say that <laughs> in the air. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the show. Uh, Blue Rodeo and Season 2 are coming up. My goal is to do an album a day. Have the thing finished, ready to record next weekend, and then get it on the air for the following Friday. I still think that's my I goal, think, and hopefully we can achieve it. Well, okay. First of all, it's, it'd be my goal to get it on the air the following Friday, not yours, because I'm the one that does it. Second of all, fair enough. Are we going to split this up? Are we going to? Because that's a lot of listening. It's 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 fourteen. Well, there's a Christmas album in there. 
I don't expect us to listen to the Christmas album. Well, still. You can if you want. No, I... But I'm not going to go in depth on the Christmas albums. So 15 albums now, 14 albums, 7 and 7. Let's do it 7 All and right. 7. Like we so were part 1, hopefully... So what's that? December 17th or 24th? What month do you think it is? What did I say? December? July. Yes. Because <laughs> you said Christmas album. I don't know. Uh, uh, July. <laughs> I'm recording this on Christmas July Eve. July 17th or the 24th. Yeah. It's going to be out Not one of those. It'd be 23rd. Yeah, 24th is my baby shower. Our baby shower. Not you and me's baby shower. <laughs> Bryn and I's baby shower. Yeah. I did get nervous that when I was marrying Bryn that people were going to be looking at it and not notice that there's no way there and going, I know it! That's married, Brian! I know it! <laughs> Thought that was going to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's the show. We'll catch you on the Flippity Club. Bye-bye. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yeah. 